previously on Martini Giant. You didn't like Blow Up. You didn't like Get Carter. You didn't like Jaws. You didn't like... Listen, you're just going to show us a bunch of movies of old London in the 60s because you're obsessed with The Who. That's all it is. No. We have have to admit that's a fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Lee Marvin's a little forgotten about these days, but he was... Absolutely fucking incredible. That movie's great. Yes. Who uh, was, who was, uh, who, 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 who not, not, in like Flint. In like Flint. Is that that's Lee, Lee Marvin? Marvin? No. That's it is Lee Marvin. No. That's not no, Lee no, Marvin. Not. What are you talking about? That's not Lee Marvin. It's not Lee Marvin? No. That was, I went to that guy's house after he died. That was, um, uh, it was up in the hills. And, uh, in like Flint. God. James Coburn. No. Oh, God. I'm James so yeah, James Coburn. Yeah. Oh, God. It was Coburn. Like, I feel like I'm going to get struck by a bolt of film light. When I Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 64, which is our time travel series. Actually, part three of our time travel series, where we're going to be talking about two very interesting films that are very similar in a lot of ways and very dissimilar in one specific way. The first one is Tenet from 2020 with Christopher Nolan. Obviously, came out very recently. A lot of people know about it. Had a budget of $200 million. And another one is Primer from 2004, directed by Shane Carruth. And uh, also very similar in a lot of ideas and very interesting. Had a budget of $7,000. Significantly different budgets. That is a big part of the discussion that we have about these films. And also a very interesting one. Really liked it. Really loved the fact that Dan brought it up. And we we are able to talk about it, so it's really really cool. I think you guys are gonna we definitely get into it for about three plus hours as we always tend to do, but I think you guys will enjoy it as well. Now I do want to bring up our Twitch channel again because this is actually something that's become a pretty pretty big deal. A lot of people have been enjoying uh, being part of the Martini Giant experience more in a more live experience, and that is really the way you're going to do it is on our Twitch channel. Uh, you guys obviously can still enjoy it passively as a podcast form, but uh, I definitely would like to push you guys to see, hey, maybe you can be part of one of our live shows. So our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Make sure to go to uh, Twitch and subscribe to us and get notifications as when we are going live. We almost like clockwork do it every Saturday. Um, at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is GMT minus 8, I believe. And uh, we will be doing either a podcast, which is what this was, and it was recorded on Twitch, or a watch party, which is not a podcast. Uh, and then the watch parties tend to be silly movies or movies that we can talk on top of or movies that we've seen so many times that it's totally cool to talk on top of them. Uh, but those are a lot of fun as well. Uh, in order to be part of the watch party, you tend to need to have an Amazon Prime account to be able to stream it simultaneously as we're doing it. We have had people that have joined us from other countries that didn't have uh, accounts ready. And uh, we'll give you time code and let you guys join along if you guys want to rent it on the side. And that's worked out pretty well. Anyway, uh, let's just keep going forward. Anyway, this week we are actually doing, uh, it is going to be on April, I believe, 17th is the time, is the day, uh, this Saturday, April, uh, April 17th. 
We will be doing The Domino Principle, which is a suggestion from Eric Sheely. It is uh, 1977. It involves Gene Hackman, Candace Bergen, and Mickey Rooney. And yes, it is a terrible movie that uh, we are very excited to talk about and talk over during the watch party. I am extremely excited about it. So join us April 17th, The Domino Principle, 1977. But for this particular podcast, we are going to be talking about Time Travel, Part 3, Tenant, and Primer. This guy's one of the most interesting characters I've met in VFX. Absolutely. Up. Oh, yeah. Up. He's Great amazing. Guy. He's amazing. And he's, he's, he's spent time. He spent time with Jimi Hendrix. So he says. <laughs> yeah. And he spent time with um, Robertson. Yep. He actually even claims that he was on the one of Jimi Hendrix's um, albums. albums. Yeah, is this story? Oh, uh, no jacket required. Uh, I don't remember. No, that's, that's I, a, I think it was. If you, I think <laughs> he, was Hunter, <laughs> he was at Hunter at sixty-seven because he saw Cream at Hunter College in sixty-seven in the city, and Hendrix had his studio in sixth and eighth, and he. Went down there and spent time. There are a lot. Patty Smith spent time there because it was kind of an open door thing. I don't know if he played with them, but I definitely know that you, you know, if you were part of a scene down there and you kind of walked by it, so yeah. I used to on the street from it, and uh, it's still there, and um, you can just kind of walk in, say, "Hey, man, is Jimmy around, man? I got something for him." <laughs> you give him drugs and like, yeah, let's go to the back staircase and hang yeah. out. Um, yeah, I mean, it was that kind of scene back then. So I, I don't doubt that he went there. I wish I did, but I know that he saw cream. We talked about that when I worked from, right. Which is, which was a big deal. You know, it was a pretty big deal. <clears throat> that's a pretty good. Uh, yeah. That's a good story right there. I like that story. <clears throat> uh, Roy Orbison, who I loved and guy, he, he, we kind of had the same musical taste. So that's how where we hit it off. With it. So. And I didn't yeah. come to appreciate Roy Arbison until much later. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, he's really something else. I think because my introduction to him was the Traveling Wilburys, which I didn't yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you did not, not like that. Not a big fan of that band, but uh, I liked everyone in the band individually and discovered yeah. their music individually apart. Uh, yeah, as you guys all know, I'm a huge Mark Knopfler fan. So that was my my journey into, Roy, into the Traveling Wilburys. Yep, yep, I understand that. <clears throat> Which was interesting because I think the Traveling Wilburys was like like that was not that long after uh, the breakup of Dire Straits. So they did their final album, and then uh, Mark Knopfler left and said he kind of wanted to relearn guitar, like he wanted to relearn the music. And then right. he sort of went on a walkabout kind of like in Southern United States, like Louisiana, I learned blues and did a bunch of stuff in, in blues. Uh, and then I think then, then he eventually ended up joining the, 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 the Wilburys. And then I think I that's, think he, I don't know if he was in the Wilburys. I, per, I thought he was. No, I think it was, uh, it was George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn. And uh, what did I say? So it's George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty, and 
Uh, There's five of them, I guess, right? And then uh, I know that Jeff Lynn produced it, and I know that uh, Kevin, what's his name, played drums. Um, and Rutger Hauer says right. he was not in the <laughs> not in the Wilburys. What was I thinking of? It was something that he did that was related to them, though. Around that time, he did Calling Elvis. Uh, Calling Elvis was not his solo album, though. It was Dire Straits. I think it was their last album. Dire Straits album, yeah. 88. Yeah. 89. And, yeah. But I think they just went up to Bob Dylan's house and said, hey, what if we all sang together? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And because I think, uh, what's his name? Bob loved Roy. Yeah. And, uh, and then that's where, that's where, uh, what's his name? Uh, they were all part, if you watch Black and White Night on Roy Orbison, shot at the Coconut Grove in 88, um, like Tom Waits, Elvis Costello, uh, Richard Burton on guitar was Elvis's guy. Uh, that was such a beautiful movie. And uh, that's why Elvis wrote a song for Roy um, called The Comedians, which he put out in an album in 88, right before he died in December of 88, which is mm. such a great song. Mm. I mean, it still hums in my head. I was living overseas at the time, but I just was like, and so it was Roy Orbison, Bono worked with him and because Bono loved Roy Orbison. But that was that whole period where they were just kind of like kicking around with each other up at Bob Dylan's house in Malibu. Right. And um, so my a friend of mine, he was a security guard at that house. <laughs> at the, Dylan's house? Yeah. The fishing friend? No, 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 no. He was a, um, he ended up becoming a writer for SNL. Uh, he was, uh, and he did a bunch of, uh, he was a, for years, he was a writer on SNL, but he apparently, Bob, someone, someone, the, but he, he calls him. I was like, it's going to have a couple of my friends are stopping by and he's kind of vaguely described them. And then this car shows up and it's like Tom Petty, and like every, you know, just like people is like, you could have just told me who they were. I would have said, okay. <laughs> It's funny. There's this guy's musician, you know. There's a guy, uh, kind of a tall guy, blonde hair, you know, usually wearing a hat. You mean Tom Petty? Yes, that's the guy. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Music is the style of lambs. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think his he's got that boxing place in Santa Monica. Who? Dylan. He's got a boxing place in Santa Monica? Yeah. So if you go to... Santa Monica, maybe 17th in Santa Monica before mm -hmm. you head to Thursday Promenade, 16th, 15th. There's a big coffee shop, or used to be, with stuff out, you know, chairs outside. And behind it was a boxing gym. That's his gym. So that's where he works out every day. Interesting. So if you're a Bobologist. There it is. And he recorded um, right by DD, past the Rose Cafe on that main street. What was that yeah. one by the uh, street? If you look at Street Legal, the album cover, Dan, Street Legal and Dolly really? Dylan's look, it's looking to the left. Th that's right there. That's the recording studio. I'm going to Google yeah. that. Street Legal. <laughs> and let me say. Well, I was looking at uh, at uh, Primer and recognized all those places in Dallas. <laughs> yes. Speaking of speaking of that. Right. What year was that? 81 or 71? 81 what? What are you talking about? 
Street Legal? Yeah. going to drive me crazy. Street Legal was 1978. That's right. So he owned the building. He bought that building. So if you see the picture of him looking out. Oh, yeah. Boom, yeah. That's just past where the firehouse. No, no kidding. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And that was the whole studio. And he did a lot of recording <laughs> stuff there. Um, and he basically owned it. So he did tons of stuff. And then he did um, Blood on the Tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I think he did Blood on the Tracks there, which was Mark Knopfler. So Mark Knopfler worked out of that studio. Wow. And so, yeah. But, yeah, a little Bobology. Um. You can get really geeky with this stuff. I've got all the books, like every uh, tell stories about every single song. Nice, and it's huge. It's like a it huge. Like Jason, J- Jason knows a little bit about the Wilburys as well. <laughs> yeah, he brings up Dave Stewart's place as the uh, possible recording area, and uh, Roger McGuinn hang, hung out uh, uh, during the Wilbury sessions as pa- and uh, as pals. Pals yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty good. And the yeah, drummer was Kevin. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Um, Jim Keltner. Jimmy Keltner, he was he was uh, he's one of the, he was one of the great ones, but he was uh, John Lennon's drummer and like um, we all shine on like the moon, you know that mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, the doom, doom that was him, Jimmy Keltner. <clears throat> how's, how's my levels by the way? Do I sound okay? I'm not too bad. How is my right. celery level at zero? Uh, yeah, I never really heard any celery, so I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, that was my deft use of the mute button. Nice. Very good. I've actually yeah. gotten better at uh, at uh, hitting the space bar and muting and unmuting myself. That's nice. So are yeah. you guys on? Are we streaming now? We we're are streaming, streaming now. Yeah, we're streaming. Uh, yeah, we've been streaming for a little bit. But, uh, right, so have... I'm sending out that. Did you guys see it in the chat room? <clears throat> yeah. What is that? Let's see. I'm... Keltner's everywhere. You got it, baby. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, that's that's... very nice. That's such a great book. There we go. Nice. I love that book. This is one of my can... favorite things about the stream is that you can send out actual links to what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> and uh, you know, like the 2001 art book. Thing, and out. it can also be a really bad thing depending on who's uh, on the stream. <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. That's true. As, uh, as we, you guys uh, want to see something totally crazy? Look at this. Yeah, like in the same vein. Where's my screen? My God, I need help mentally and physically. Where oh, is where's my screen? Here it is. This is what I got in a used bookstore for 10 bucks. I see a niggle. Yeah, it's a niggle. Okay, there it is. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. So it I, is the Bible for the Smiths. Yeah, look at that. I love the Smiths. So it's the whole, like, breakdown of, like, right. everything in their career. Boom. <clears throat> Just like the Dylan book. Look yeah, at that. Oh, it's beautiful. Encyclopedia of all things Smith. The cover is amazing too. I have to tell you. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that great? That's ten beautiful. bucks. That's awesome. I saw yeah, it. like I, people, uh, people hammer on Morrissey a lot right now because he's uh, become quite. Uh, he said some conservative things that people didn't like, and so they are trying to sh- shut that, really? uh, <laughs> those opinions out. Is uh, he really? And, uh, yeah, and oh, uh, which is weird because you know he's uh, 
he is he like he should be emblematic i think of the period that we're he's in a crotchety right old man i guess now he's become a crotchety old man and, uh, I'll, I'll, i'm gonna turn on some lights but keep talking i can hear you <clears throat> yeah so he said uh, some aggressive things that people don't like and and so um uh it's harder to uh, bring up morrissey and uh, the smiths uh, on the old twitter but i do it anyway really? because i love the smiths and i love morrissey I think uh, that um, uh, uh, please, please, please let me get what I want is one of those beautiful songs, literally of all time, uh, and gets an instant cry out of me anytime I listen to it. Uh, so I will, uh, no, matter, no matter no matter what he's like these days, I will always uh, be impressed by that song. Yeah, um, and it's um, and that's the song that is also famously used that nobody actually knows. I didn't even know is used in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they're at the museum. That's a uh, instrumentalization of uh, please, please. That's absolutely fantastic. Right. Guaranteed crier. Everybody loves it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, it mm-hmm. certainly made Cameron cry. Uh, you know, and Cameron making <laughs> Cameron makes me cry. It's, that's how I feel. He that's is a sad person, as sad, we all are. Yeah, I identify. Uh, but yeah, so we have uh, people in the chat line now. Dave3D has uh, joined us. We have uh, 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 Jason Miesman and uh, Tron Feilmet has uh, joined us as well. So nice. whoever that, that German guy is. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Martini, Martini Giants, and uh, we are here today for our third part of our time travel experience. Time travel experience, which have actually been very popular. Yep. Uh, this one, really, if we were going to do a triptych of this, even though we've already done the film, it's mm-hmm. Tenet and Primer. But the, the real one that's going to be the topper on this one mm-hmm. should be Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Groundhog Day is the purest form of a time travel movie. I think that's very true. That's it's very true. Or, or of this type of time travel film because right. they're all a little bit different, right? Uh, and they all have different implications, which is interesting. But this one seems like you know do it over and over again kind of situation, right? In fact, uh, like I was, I hadn't seen Primer in a little while, and I was struck by. I was like, this is a this is a really good pairing in a couple of ways because oh, yes, very good like, pairing. Right, right off the bat, like first of all, the time travel mechanism is identical. Like, a, like they have yeah. to spend time. Like, the, it's an absolutely like they have to spend an equal amount of time in the box because they are traveling. Ba- they're going backwards in time in that box. That's what's basically happening in Primer. Mm-hmm. And Tenet just does it in a instant turnaround fashion, but the mechanism is identical. Uh, and the other, and it's about essentially two guys learning to trust or distrust each other, both of them. Uh, and one is one of the most expensive movies ever made, and the other is one of the most inexpensive movies ever made. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so this is a un, uh, unusually excellent you're uh, combo. Very likely going to guess which one I think has a better story. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I believe. We, like, I'm not going to disagree with you on the movie that you love. I'm going to disagree with you on the movie that you don't like. That's that's where we're headed for sure. Yeah, well, of course, of course, they wouldn't be a martini giant if we didn't disagree. Yes. On, just to advertise, on... the, uh, yes. just to set the stage for the later part of the pro- uh, uh, podcast for everybody. Uh, but uh, we don't have to face the facts on that one just yet. We are. No. It's good that, uh, uh, that that now. What are the other time travel films that we have covered? We did uh, the first round was um, uh, uh, we had uh, what do you call it? In t- uh, uh, about time. About time. Which is one of our all-time favorites. Uh, one of our all-time favorites for sure. We did uh, just in time. Was just in time? No. Oh, uh, there was. Um, uh, what's the F- one with, F- with F- Christopher F- Reeve? 
Oh, it's somewhere in time somewhere and in time. frequently asked questions. Frequently asked questions about time travel. That was the first set. What was? What did we do on the second set? I can't remember. Right off the top of my head. Come on, Martin Giant another. fans. You guys need to remember which one. Do you we remember did. what we did for the second time travel? Maybe we did. We only do two. I hope we no, no, no. We, we did definitely only. did a second. Yeah, we definitely I think, did a second. Second we definitely one. did a second one. Maybe Jason can remember for us, or I will dig up. Let's see who gets there first. Let's see. Martini Giant. Uh, dot com time travel it's part been so two long. part two Peggy Sue got married Peggy Sue got married and yeah, we go. Pleasantville and Pleasantville yeah another another strange combo that worked really really nicely yeah that was good stuff oh sorry I lost my camera for a second yes um am I back there there okay there we go yes somewhere so. in time the first ones were pretty good our time travel films seem to do pretty well people like that as yeah. a theme of a movie. Uh, for sure. Well, Peggy Sue got married, and Pleasantville, the third, should have been uh, of should have been Back to the Future because those are all kind of similar ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're, for part four, we're going to have, or we may have to consider actually doing Back to the Future. It's just that those those movies are so. Thir- I mean, everybody knows those movies so well right. that it's kind of hard to come up with new stuff to Do say. You lose about the fact that it's time travel because it's just so popular. It's like. I don't know. It just seems like well, a normal part of a life. It does. It it's not as ear. I don't know. It's not as eerie as say Primer. Primer scared me. Primer. Well, Primer is eerie. I think for non-time travel reasons. That all like right. there's like there's also eerie time travel reasons. Um, yes. But it's the, the way that the, it's filmed. The way, I mean, it's so cheap. Yeah, the character, the character story is the chateau like, feel like 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 a like a like a Chris Nolan film. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, there's a there's an innate like like all these movies. I would say like somewhere in time has an eerie quality to it, right? Um, uh, I think that uh, it's arguable that about time has an eerie quality to it, but it turns it around into an extremely positive quality. Like it's like it gets into this weird depressing zone and then it flips it and becomes incredibly uplifting towards the end. Mm. Um, But the, uh, the, I think the, the sort of the symbolic thing that sticks with all of these movies, and this is up through these movies as well, is this uh, sense of inevitability is frightening. I think inevitability is a frightening thing that is rarely captured and time travel films do it particularly well. Right. You know, where you're where you're both trying to fight for things to be different and trying to fight for things to be the same simultaneously. Sure. You know, and which I think people deeply recognize in their own lives. Well, it's just the thing, right? It, it's like so what was very interesting to me is that time travel was rep- time travel films or any kind of these films, and this does include Groundhog Day, et cetera, et cetera. They all deal with a repercussion, right? Like the, the message of all of these films is if you could change things, right? right? If you could change things, that's the you way. You turn back time. And I think Cher. Cher has a lock on that. She's a time traveler just in her oh. own in her own Eastern way. Not. And yeah. she questioned before all other scientists if yeah. I could turn back time. Yes. Yeah, right. was, in the future yeah. and the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was definitely something, you know, that, that she she and Neil deGrasse Tyson got together and wrote that yeah, paper on it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> many, many times. That's right. Yeah. On the aircraft carrier. That's right. Yeah, that's, uh, on the aircraft carrier. Yes. On the aircraft carrier. That's uh, one of the <laughs> 
Yeah, our, our younger viewers will be will have been spared the psychological damage of watching of the that outfit. For the younger viewers out there, is just look up share aircraft carrier music video, and yeah. you will and get suddenly a... you will be forty nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. Yes. Uh, All props yeah. to share whom I love, especially in Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Yeah. Or mermaids. She was pretty good at mermaids. Mermaids. Too. She's ter terrific mermaids. Yeah. I, have, I have no anti-share feelings no, whatsoever. You know what she was great in? The What's best that? move I've ever liked her in is Mask. Oh, she's great. She's yeah. very good in Mask, yes. Yeah. That's a, um, um, not Paul Schrader. It's a uh, Bogdanovich film, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that one. That's and really it good. And it plays the, uh, the dead's uh, ripple at the end. And the guy from uh, Big Lebowski's in it. He plays Gar. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> anyway, we can connect this. If, they, if they're part of the Lebowski universe, I think that's uh, that's yeah, even And also Eric Stoltz and what's her name? Dern, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Then. When yeah. you say Eric Stoltz, I suddenly, well, there's, I have a friend of mine who happen, who happens to have the name of Eric Stoltz. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, you mean the actor? <laughs> of course. Yeah, you oh, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, I think that Eric Stoltz should have had a. I think that Eric Stoltz should be more famous than he is. I should think have is a, should have had a cameo on uh, on uh, Back to the Future. Speaking of yeah, time travel, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They shot the whole fucking movie with him. Yeah, no, I think they uh, not the whole movie, but they shot an awful lot of the movie with Eric Stoltz, and then they had to fire him and cast yeah. somebody else. You yeah, can see that footage online, which is like, man, that talk about an alternate timeline, man. That's, that's right. Just, like, Steven that's, Steven that's, Spielberg showed up to him with with uh, with E. T. and he went. Go home. <laughs> That's it. You're out. You're out, Stoltz. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's done he's done well, obviously, for himself. But I was I was like that dude. My, my favorite Stoltz performance, I have to say, has got to be uh, as the uh, drug dealer in Pulp Fiction because he has the line that I repeat most. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he has a line in Pulp Fiction that I repeat most in my mind, like just as a matter of course, which is when uh, uh, Arquette is yelling at him for misplacing the book or whatever it is and she's like where is it where is it and he goes i don't know stop bothering me and like that little <laughs> phrase i was like i want to make that my ringtone <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah so to catch up on the chat we have um uh let's see yeah some more time uh we have um uh uh there are a couple of good notes here uh i'm liking the lens flare on dan's head when he turns in profile thank you <laughs> jj Abrams is the background editor for today's episode um you guys should do a time time loop films which are becoming their own genre just uh saw palm springs which is yeah which i liked very much yeah um uh looper 12 monkeys time cop and butterfly effect obviously awesome suggestions yeah uh i uh well, if do looper and 12 monkeys i, I if i'm going to do a triptych on that i would do looper 12 monkeys and la jete and la jete yeah that's probably should be our next one that should be the next uh, it should be that. but yeah. i think this okay hold on okay it, it, uh, keep going with the notes and then i'll i'll, I'll talk about this specific one but keep going on the notes museman says i heard aircraft carrier and time travel and i thought the final countdown which i would totally do an yes. entire episode on yes so Pennsylvania isn't a Pennsylvania effect? Wasn't that the one with a no, yeah, it's the Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia effect. project? Philadelphia story, Philadelphia. No, Philadelphia stories with Jimmy Stewart. Project. Philadelphia project. Um, and I call it the Pennsylvania effect. <laughs> That's an entirely different effect. That's when people felt like they might have lost the election, but then they actually did win the election. Philadelphia Experiment. There you go. Thank you, Dave 3D. And uh, Dave 3D also says, Cher's best film, I think, was Silkwood, which I've been actually wanting to see. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
Meryl Streep. Silkwood um, is good too. Silkwood, and then we should do uh, uh, the what's the uh, the um, uh, uh, the China syndrome would be China. Good I just rewatched China syndrome because <sighs> so uh, it's on Korea Criterion, yeah. and it's fucking yeah. great. That movie is great. Like, yes, that's one of Lemon's greatest bits. That's I had, uh, I had, uh, in the most. I had one of the guys who did the the effects on it. Uh, on oh, my okay. podcast yeah he's he's uh one of the he's like one of the heads of the film at usc actually oh neat yeah, yeah. there's some there's some pretty good managers work there's some great map paintings in that thing mm-hmm. that i really enjoy mm-hmm. um but yeah that like as far as a muckraking kind of movie goes like that's it's it's such a great tight script very simple um and it leans so heavily on lemon in the right ways like when man like when he really starts losing the shit between lemon and uh MG favorite, um, uh, uh, what's his name from the thing? Uh, uh, Wilfred Brimley. Like those two, it's like they are the heart of Brimley. So it doesn't love Brimley. And I also want to welcome to the podcast in the chat line, Grendel3D, who we, uh, Dave3D uh, and I also know, uh, for a good long damn time and, uh, yeah. uh, or, uh, is an excellent, excellent friend. And, uh, yeah, please, uh, uh, who, likes in- my, who likes my Nerf gun wall, which is not mine. It's my son's Nerf gun wall. But- <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who are new to the podcast and have been or new to the Twitch stream with us, I yes, I tend to record these podcasts in my son's room because it's the quietest place to to record them for myself. We have a wonderful house, but it's a big open plan uh, mid century house, and uh, there's no real quiet places so this is he, well he, this is also become, going to become i think brady's podcasting room i mean if he keeps on coming on the um yes. podcast, i think that might so be this is thing. actually something that's happened it's just real quick before we get into our time travel stuff so yesterday uh you know uh you guys know i i kept mentioning i bought my 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 my, my brand new tv which i absolutely love so i look at old movies where i really want to see some awesome color it's like having my own movie theater back right and i watched the tenant the tenant i keep the calling tenet. it the tenant i keep calling it the tenant the tenant <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I watched it, and it looked gorgeous sure. on my 4K OLED. You know, HDR OLED HDR, TV, yeah. which made me realize, like, I don't need to go to the theater. It looks great. So <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. when you when you have that kind of, uh, I mean, I would still want a like I want a essentially the the dedicated large. I, and I'm going to get into that for a little bit. Obviously, I want to get into a little bit of that Nolanness about these things. But mm-hmm. uh, I watched that, and then I uh, was browsing through uh, HBO Max, and then I saw, uh, yes, he will disagree, and we always do. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the, we went to HBO Max, Very the lead. and uh, uh, I bought, and I saw that Blade Runner 2049 was on. I was very excited. I was going to watch that. And then... Uh, uh, yes, newsman. Uh, I but you know what? I bit the bullet and I just ended up getting HBO Max, and now I have everything. So it's uh, for listeners at home. The, the HBO the, Roku, the, the, the HBO Roku newsman has been trying to help me through this this problem, and we we've solved it all. I have right. HBO Max now. Uh, anyway, like HBO Max. It's great. It's it. great. Yeah, it's great. So great. anyway, but also on HBO Max was Blade Runner, the, the new cut of Blade oh, the, Runner. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, uh, the, the final cut. Is the final that. cut, of course. The final, final cut. The that's finalist actually, cut, VO2. Yeah, that's like, that's like uh, Elton John's final tour that's been yeah. going on for 20 years. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, so I watched that. At do you prefer point, the final cut or do you prefer earlier cuts? You know, I, I, I don't really. I like this cut. It was yeah. good. Yeah. It was I'm a, a good cut. That. I think it's great. And I watched it, and it looked gorgeous. Yeah, uh, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And Brady watched it with me, and I was, uh, and he had never seen anything like that. He's like, "This is a weird film." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." 
Yeah, it's wacky. And uh, and I sort of like seeing, but he 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 got into it. He was figuring it out. He was like, you know, he's used to stories being spoon fed to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Most, that's most movies he, are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so he's like, so but he watched it and he was like, that was interesting, especially towards the end, which to me just still affects me. You know, him on the roof of the building and that's just just gorgeous, gorgeous yeah, stuff. That's I mean, just uh, like even even besides the story, that is probably one of the top three most beautiful movies ever produced. Like yeah. just gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah. movies. and um, and then and to, to to continue with my drama for my for my my home theater system, I I bought a I bought a a uh, a sound bar, a, a big sound bar that is uh, has this whole projection thing for at Dolby Atmos in my living room from LG, and turns out the sound bar sucked. It just um, right. it kind of worked, but it didn't work, and it all the techy stuff that it does. Right. And so I returned it. So we've been only listening through sound through the TV, which is not that great, as you can imagine. Not optimal. So not optimal. So I've been waiting, and because it, it's been on back owner, it's arriving on Tuesday. Very very excited. Uh, is uh, my Sonos Arc, so the big Sonos uh, soundbar, which is supposed to be like the best you can get for. Atmos and projects. Right. There's you, you use uh, an iPhone and you tune it. You walk around your house and you tune the speakers for to to the to the shape of the house. So it's like a ray tracing uh, exercise of mm-hmm. sound projection. Oh right, so that's kind of amazing. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be arriving uh, on Tuesday. So I figured I'm going to save that for Blade Runner 2049. So that oh, yeah, be, oh, another so one of the most beautiful movies ever made. HBO Max is totally worth it. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I, I, mean, I, yeah, I, oh, yeah. oh, you don't have it, Eric? Oh, hold Here, on a me... second, cowboy. Hold on. Let me just let's step back a bit. Can you guys see me? <laughs> yes, okay? of course. Yeah, you're, it's a good frame. You look good. Um, I have Criterion, Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon. Yeah. Right. Right. I have all those. Right. I like the one I use the least is Netflix. Interesting. True. Yeah. What yeah. though? What would I be missing? So, well, here, let me give you a quick sampling of. I have HBO Max open right now. And HBO gonna, Max has a, a, a the biggest library of all of them. Right. So, like, here's here's some stuff. Is it just, a Max type of library, maxed out. It is maxed out. Here, like for instance, Thank here you, we go. Man. All right. So it is. Uh, we have. I'm just going to do the the old friends. Stuff. You can watch Friends. <laughs> friends, obviously. You have. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I'm going to watch. Yeah. Uh, Giant. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, let's see. Oof. Yeah, some good, some more awesome good ones. Uh, Bar- Barry Lyndon, Killing of a Chinese yeah. Bookie, uh, Mud, me. Reservoir Dogs, Tender Mercies, uh, Blue, Blue Valentine, um, uh, Kingdom of Dreams of Madness, which is a great documentary on. Um, Here's the like, thing, though, because because Eric has Criterion Channel, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of overlap. There is a lot of them. And, yeah, but the thing is, I, what I like about Criterion Channel is that it does these little things. There will be blocks. like, here are Peter Sellers films. or yeah, here, it does uh, And it has the extras that you want to see. Yes. And so, so HBO Max doesn't do that, but it has a big library of things that are pretty right. interesting. Like, like I have, uh, Sabotage, North by Northwest, The Lodger, Lord of the Flies, Last Wave, Ooh. Knife in the Water, Frantic, Cor- Foreign Correspondent, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, like, it's just like, this is yeah. like Diabolique, First Man in Space, mm-hmm. Carnival of Souls. Like, this is like, it sounds like I'm listening to the Criterion Channel, but I'm not Tokyo Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tokyo you Story, get to. Is that the one uh, from the 90s? Yeah, uh, and this is not the remake from the 90s. No. This is, and this is just the one from the 50s. No, and this is video. Oof. 
And this is just the stuff that's like more of the classic film stuff because, but there's also a ton of HBO content. So you can watch right. all of the HBO stuff that you yeah, might have missed. You might, no, there's that's also. Called Tokyo, that's a, pardon me. That's Ozuna, Tokyo that's Story. Ozuna. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's no, this was correct. called Tokyo Decadence. And I no, Tokyo Decadence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Remember, we, we have joked about Tokyo Decadence before. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Wonder yeah, Woman yeah, that's 1984. That's an I love that. I saw it in the 90s and it's like, I got to come back to the Angelicus. <laughs> this is my kind of movie. No, it was a good movie. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right, yeah, that's, right. that's, that's talking that's, over that's, each other, but I'll, I'll try to be good. But yeah, so like the, that's the, <laughs> like I would say right now, my big recommendations are HBO, Max, and Shutter. Those are, those are, those get a lot of play. Right. So and, the only uh, one that, that, that you guys don't have that I have is Crunchyroll. Oh, so Crunchyroll's good. Yeah, if you're in, if you're an anime, like Crunchyroll's Funimation, good. Chris. Funimation. Huh? Funimation. Funimation is Crunchy is owned that. by Funimation. Yeah, they're they're same. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what we have. So they're probably mm-hmm. owned by Tencent. I'm gonna guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, Sony. Sony bought Crunchyroll. Sony bought. Okay, Sony bought Crunchyroll. Tencent. No, Tencent. Tencent is uh, like Tencent's the largest time. corporations in the in the in the world. On the earth. Yeah, it's gigantic. Oh, I thought you meant the. Uh, no, what was I thinking? Sorry, I was thinking Fifty Cent. Sorry. That by uh, sure. yeah, Fifty Cent. Ozu. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> also by Ozu. Um, okay, so, let's, so real. So I know we've already gone like twenty minutes and haven't started on this yet. <laughs> As right. it is, no, we've gone thirty-four. Jesus nice. Christ, we are. Well, we had a, a slow, slow roll. Over. So we slow did have roll. a slow roll. Okay, so oh, uh, oh, talking I about have, travel films. Time travel films. Time travel films from uh, that we decided we were going to do Tenant, which came out last summer, Mm -hmm. and uh, and the uh, uh, Primer. Which when did Primer come out? What's the date? I need two thousand four. Two thousand four, four or five. Okay, so uh, Tenant, as uh, as uh, we all know, is Chris Nolan's uh, latest chef (laughs) d'oeuvre. <laughs> that, he, that he bestowed onto the world and greeted us with all of his wonderfulness to make sure that we could all revel in his glory and uh, which his, didn't work uh, the way that he wanted. To no, to in idea. fact, in fact, I would likely to say that if people did go see that, they're likely they contributed to the spreading of the virus that killed a bunch of people. Yeah, so I, I think that I think that that he had a very very narrow focus on his work and did not see this was a global <laughs> pandemic that is actually real. Right, and like, he is like, he know he he takes the the idea of purest filmmaker to a dangerous level, shall we say? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, uh, I, I think that it's uh, there's like I I don't know Chris Renault. I don't have anything good or bad to say about him. But like that was a that was a that was a bad idea. It was to try to get people into theaters in the middle of this. Which was the bad like, idea? He, he was pushing to, hard for oh, people yeah, yeah. to, and, uh, to come and you know, open up theaters and come and enjoy Tenet. And, uh, and he put out advertisements. Tom Cruise was the, uh, an ad for him. This is what he did. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. He was so much for it. He went back in time to Wuhan to try to like yeah, he's destroy right. It's true. And he just, so his opening, right. and he That's just. That's why he's two years older now. That's right. He couldn't yeah, make it true. happen. That's true. But yeah, no, that was that was definitely a very bad call. And the general effect that it had, like he wanted it to sort of make theaters sort of explode again, and instead it it killed them. <laughs> like I would say, it's it's yeah. arguable that this movie uh, was the was the killed, was the death knell for. Wait a minute. Why did it kill the theaters? 
Um, because the the studios had invested so much money in this thing, and right. they'd put get even it's such a giant push to try to get people into theaters to see this thing, that of course it made I don't know very very little money in its opening weekend. Uh, and people uh, were scared to go to movie theaters as they should have. So. And uh, and so that made all the studios completely redesign how they're going to distribute film, and that will probably stick uh, for the most part uh, into the future forever. And uh, right. this is the movie that um, that was it created a very stark situation where they made some hardcore business decisions, such as let's open everything up on HBO Max instead uh, of in the theaters. And I think that even past the pandemic, we will see the fallout from that. A yes. lot of directors, big time directors signed up with Nolan. They were so against the Max deal. Oh yeah, though I think they were like I mean I can you know but pandemic aside you know like the I like I totally understand like you know ma- making like I'm you know I think like that myself and I would be I would be if I were like spending that much time and that much uh, money and that much love in making a movie that I cared about uh, and it someone said listen hey it's going to be on Cinemax at two in the morning I'd be like that stinks I just you know this is my passion project and so I understand them being. Uh, upset about it and uh but like i think that people had a range of reactions that were that were for like from for, like upset but reasonable like denny villeneuve to like not so reasonable like well, there, okay hold on hold on there's two <laughs> yeah. there's two there's two reasons one one is their whole lives a lot of filmmakers have been told the the concept of your success is a big premiere and a lot of people going to see the movies in the theater. So that's the only way they know success. Right. And so that's what they were kids, you know, right. Right. It's like, I'm going to go to the Oscars, red carpet affair, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is the, this is the concept of success for Mm -hmm. filmmakers. And that's been taken away from them in some ways and fine, whatever. The second one is also, they were cut out of a lot of money. Oh, shitload right? of money. Absolutely. Yeah. Big, big and deal. so that is also something that is, uh, uh, something that is, 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 is a big deal. So, uh, I, I don't, I, the film in, okay, I'm going to get into this real briefly. I was hoping we would do this towards the end, but I was <laughs> the film industry and everything about the concept of how, how we see things and how we experience things is going to be completely turned on its head right? because of who can guess what I'm going to say. <laughs> anyone, anyone, that, anyone, the anyone, anyone is going to say what, what happened this week, literally that's going to change everything about how we know a creative content is being made. NFT. <laughs> NFT there you go. NFTs, yes. For people that don't know what NFTs are, that is when you make a piece of artwork uh, unique by locking it down with blockchain. Is that correct? That's yes. kind of what it kind is. Of right. Kind of. It's a yeah. non-fungible token. A fungible yes. token is something that is repeatable, completely repeatable. So like uh, a Bitcoin is a, is a token that's repeatable, meaning it's complete copy. Every Bitcoin is identical. Right. That's the whole point of it. Uh, and, uh, and the opposite of that is something that's completely unique. And so right. basically every piece of art is like a new currency is if you think right. about it that way, right. but the, the art, it, what's interesting is the art itself is not <laughs> what you're buying. You're buying the token, which is represented by the art. Right. 
Right. So yes. whatever, like but, the painting or whatever it is. But yeah. the beautiful thing and the game changer for me about this is like yes. even as an artist, because I started with this uh, already, uh, yeah. uh, doing NFTs. Yeah. And if I create something, and I spent a lot of time creating stuff, not Martini Giant stuff, but you know, as an artist. I think we should take all content on martini john and nft the shit out of it <laughs> okay but we can talk about that that's fine and that's a discussion we're actually going to have this week but the yeah. thing is if i make something and it costs me six dollars uh through metamask to post it okay so it's, it's a lot of my moody paintings digital works you know or stuff from my show you know all that cool stuff right. i put it up there okay no one buys it fine but if somebody buys it and they buy it for say fifty dollars. The right. print they own that print. Then in five years, you know, oh, all of a sudden I'm producing more work, and I start to get a reputation. The value and of it appreciates. Yes, and so all of a sudden somebody offers them six hundred dollars for what the guy bought from me last week right. for fifty dollars. Right. I get ten percent. Yeah, it just kicks back to you, which is like you I mean the way that say like when actors it do commercials or stuff like this. That's it's right. Like you, so right. I get ten right. percent. So right. it's like having a gallery represent you, right. but you're in charge, right. and you continue to get money. The Beatles right. stuff is crazy, but the concept of it is great for artists across the board. So yeah, like, absolutely. You know, I, think I about what that means in terms of studio distribution. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, so the, you know. Okay, uh, what it means for studio distribution, let me wrap my head around that. I know what it means for like, from some of the, the stuff that I've been listening to, and I'll be happy to share with you guys. It's like, uh, so one guy was saying, oh, we'll be banned books someday. Right, sure. Like the concept of it is incredible. So as an artist, with all the stuff that, you know how prolific I am, guys, right? I'm always making something. Jamming right? stuff either, out, absolutely, sure. Hammering stuff every day, either drawing traditionally or CG work. Right. If I can post it and do a series of stuff that I love and some guy offers me $100 for it, wow, I just made 100 bucks. Right. But if he sells it in five years and he sells it for $2,000, I get 10%. Right. It's like, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm being compensated. You paid your work. That's nice. And yeah, for me, I love mean. that. Right. I right. love that. I love that. It's not sitting on a hard drive that right. is not SATA anymore and I have right. to get a connector. It's like there. It's right. done. So I and guess I'm, it also, pardon me, just one last thing. It also, as an artist, mm -hmm. makes you feel like you're represented by a gallery. Right. So you think of your five-year plan, your long-term trajectory as an artist, and we're trying to take your message and your work. Right. So you almost like self-regulate yourself. Right. Right. Well, the point I was trying to make about that is like that basically like Nolan is still tied like the the, the traditional yeah. studio system is sure. is Nolan is tied to that and he's talk he loves to talk about traditional filmmaking including his hatred for CG and how he sure. blew up a real plane like oh just right. shoot me fucking now right it, you know like I just don't care and 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 so he you know oh I only shoot on film right and of course mm -hmm. now that's why he goes to photocam to do all of his color because right. they're the last place to actually develop film right. and so he has to go there and you know he likes it he's happy with the the, the, sure. the people there but like that's what it is like traditional 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 because right. everything else is bad and I'm like fuck you <laughs> right well i mean i think i mean like i i, I like my, minus the nolanness of it i do i understand the argument of being pro film because like there is no video yet that looks as good as the best of film to me 
that's for that look. Well, right? for but, storage medium over time, yeah. no, without a doubt. Like, in, like a, in a the, mine the, in Salt Lake. The the the, the fact is that the, it will be, you know, like uh, give give video another five years and it will be of a greater bit depth color wise than film ever was and a greater like you'll be able to do whatever you want with it and it's going to look the way you want it to look um so like i think that it's a losing argument simply because eventually the media will if you want it to look and then that's very specific film uh, like even down to the grade of film the kind of film the chemicals they're using well that will be able to be reproducible 100 so at some point you just have to just, just go that's this is a better medium so no. give it up but you wait, are, wait, wait, wait. You're no, just no. basically trying to imitate film. No, that, no, wait, you're, not, no you're, not, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying if you want to do that specific thing, it's an okay. option for you, right? Sure. But, but video offers an entirely other range of other looks that film can't do. So why not embrace all of these things? Like this is a wide palette for you that will soon include the level of quality that you're talking about for photochem developed film, which is, I agree right now it doesn't quite have. If you're really, really anal retentive about it, it doesn't happen. Right. But that being said, that's not going to be an issue in five years. They will also be able to replicate like Fuji, blah, 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 a thousand percent accurately in five years. So why argue for it? It's a, it's a, it's a burn. It's a, it's a media that doesn't hold, uh, uh hold up very well, uh, physically. Uh, and we, uh, and it's not copyable in, uh, any, like the 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 the, the sturdy uh, sturdiness of video is that it's copyable, and uh, and so like you you will always be able to hold on to it as long as like there's not an EMP blast that wipes it all out, and even right. then we'll be able to keep it. As opposed to the nitrate film problem, you know that plagues. Well, it's know, like of, it's, uh, silent film. It's like me saying, you know what, you're not you're not really getting the true television experience in order to get the true television experience you need to get a sony trinitron tv from 1983 and that is the way you're supposed to experience mash in its truest form <laughs> yeah, is to exactly. watch it on a trinitron tv like what the fuck yeah, Just no, let me experience it, it the way I want to experience it's, it. It's it's worshiping technology over the artist, and I don't like that. And so, right. even though, like, uh, so, like, I understand there's a nostalgic aspect to it, and I understand there's a sort of psychological aspect to it. Um, but if your actual argument is that film currently is better at doing what it does than video is at doing what film does in that very narrow band, I agree with you. However, that's not going to be a very that's not going to be a problem for very much longer. I'm sorry, so, but I saw you know when we I worked on I worked on Oblivion as I as did you great. and and it was shot on an F65 and that is fucking amazing color yeah, and exactly. amazing color depth on it. And that. and now you can do things so like you, Eric. Yeah, we yeah. all did. And so now you can do things like I mean, one of the most gorgeous movies of the year is Mank, right? And yeah. Mank is shot shot on video. It and people are like, oh, it, it looks like old film. I'm like, this doesn't really look like old film. This does things that old film wish it could. Wish right. it could. You know, they like he's he's keeping it in the zone of feeling like an old movie, but the tricks he's actually pulling are things the studios could never have done do in a million you think, years. Do you think it's because the way he shoots and plans his shots? And the way he tries to do things, uh, Nolan, no. Nolan, mm -hmm. that he sticks to film because yes. it's the immediacy of shooting with an Alexa and you can, faster setups, he might lose. Okay, I, wait a minute. Where you know, it's like right. here. He, it's like there's he, a process that he really he, enjoys. He can that he go can out control. and coach his team in right. this process. One hundred, one hundred percent. I mean. 
Yeah. And so like, I mean, I'm not going to say he's not an asshole for wanting to do that. I, I have my own processes that I like to follow in there. No, but I'm going to call him an asshole and I'm an asshole for saying that because I don't know the process. <laughs> <laughs> like what I, what I would say is that like, I not knowing Nolan at all as a person, I don't have anything to say against him personally. However, uh, when he makes decisions like, you know, like we should try to get people in the theaters for, for this movie. Like, I think that was a little, that was a little bit narrow and I'm glad that it didn't work. And it's, you know, like, and it, and it had, it had an impact on the, on the theatrical experience that, you know, if we, if we handle it right, could still yet be positive for theaters. As a whole, as a martini giant, as a whole, if we try to every podcast insult every living director, we are, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we should have a meter for that. We did that. We did that. We actually, we, oh, we, we got to say something bad about Nolan tonight. We went yeah. through some inside sources that, uh, that Neil Blankamp listened to our Neil Blankamp episode and did not like it. <laughs> yeah, but, I, he was not too pleased is, with it. I, and the thing is, I, I have to say, props to Neil Blomkamp for listening to our goddamn episode. That is like most filmmakers not be like, Hey man, you want to listen to somewhere where you rip, rip your shit up? <laughs> most people be like, no, I don't want to do that. He actually did listen to it. And he, and he's like, this is not for me, but thank you. And I think that was an incredibly kind thing for him to say. Also uh-huh. on rewatching all the movies that I used to pitch about of his, I really liked them. I saw them again. Yeah. So I have, you know, so, like, what are you going to do? Regrets. 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 That's the way it is. I, we, Neil, we really like your stuff. We apologize. Though, is like, I think if you get a little too much into that ivory tower, like Nolan, right. you know, you kind of lose touch. Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. I think and that's so the, there's a lot of Nolan worshippers out there, right. and and the Nolan worshippers are going to feed that ego. So yeah, you don't want to be around that, though. You're never going to paint a good painting. No artist should be around that at all. No, I, I, always, I mean, I've said this before. I always think that Chris Nolan films are films that make dumb people think they're smart. Right now, before we get into that, yeah. because like, like I, I think you're offending a huge portion of our audience when you say that, in, yeah. in, including me, <laughs> who you are calling dumb on the air, which is a problem. But like, I think that what I think that the did... I think that there's a deeper thing to say about that that I can agree with you. On. What if we yeah. made a whole film festival around Russian industrial spaces that are no longer in service? Because like, there's so many movies <laughs> that use these like industrial space. I'm like, right. God, there's like there's oh, another no. one. You know, another place that's great for that is Bulgaria. You know, when I've been to Bulgaria quite a bit, you, uh, it's so great in Bulgaria. You can blow up whatever the fuck you want to blow up over there. You know, oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> and it all looks like you're in a uh, Tarkovsky movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. There's <laughs> a big, there's a big, there's a lot of stages in Bulgaria. They shoot a lot of crap over there. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the quick turnaround. Literally. Do it for sure. Like, yeah. uh, who, who we ta- I was talking to, because uh, Blade Runner 2049 shot over there, I believe. Uh, uh, for part of it. And uh, uh, they're just like, they, they just fold into the budget. Like, you know, listen, there's not a lot of good security uh, here because like your, you know, like your film, your film stuff's going to get stolen. Your camera will might get stolen. Like all this might happen um, because there's so much shooting going on and so many people are making movies that they also steal them from film sets. <laughs> it's like, pretty good that's a lot of shooting that's an enormous amount of shooting so like that's and like not to say go and steal movie cameras and film however i really like that people are making so many movies that they're stealing shit to make them that makes me kind of excited that's that's the that's the pirate attitude that i like about about filmmakers so go bulgaria (laughs) right that's my ultimate feeling there okay so i'm i'm gonna try to actually temper my 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 chris nolan effect on it because there there is something there is something about the film that's good. I just there's something that's missing. There's a big part of it missing 
Mm -hmm. uh, in the film that I think is interesting. So you want to talk about Tenet first? Actually go through, well, that's an interesting question. So wait a minute, you said that though. Somebody said that to put Tenet first in primer when we talk about it. Was it you, Dan, the other day? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, there's different ways of attacking both, and I think like the. It's funny that we're talking about this in a time travel episode. No, you were talking we talk about, about first. It affects yeah. the discussion of the other one. Right. So, like, that's the that's the what that's what I'm thinking about. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. It was uh, I saw. I put. It, I think I put it on our Slack channel, guys. But I, there was a uh, uh, a video I saw with Neil deGrasse Tyson where this 11th year old boy asked him a question in the audience. I sent that to you guys. No, I sent it to you. I sent it to Dan though. Okay. Okay. Blockchain. Look at that. Blo <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need a blockchain to track right. where this shit came from. Uh, right. But it was, but it basically it was. He uh, just for people in the audience listening is basically this eleven year old boy asked, "Can two black holes? Uh, can one black hole suck in the other black hole?" Right. And uh, he goes, "Whoa! You're eleven years old and you're asking about uh, a black hole collision." And he says. Well, uh, yes, and it's extremely complex, but basically what can happen is the two event horizons get next to each other, <laughs> and there are certain situations where you can run into your past self. Right. Yep. Right? Which the way they describe that thing, yep. you just visually try to put that in your head, and that's exactly what they designed on Tenet. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's the turntable, right? It's yeah. little the turnstile. Exactly. The turnstile, right? And I'm like, oh, right. And then when they when they do the drawing of the mm -hmm. A to B on primer, it's the same thing. Same, same fucking thing. Exactly. Same drawing, same. right? So yeah. it's like, okay, so it's that's really, I think, what was the 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 thing that started the nucleus of the idea. Mm. The thing that's interesting. Uh, is I remember when I was in arch no, not architecture school. I was it was a, a physics physics class and math math. I was doing physics and math in college a lot of it, um, and I remember specifically we we're talking about those types of ideas, mm -hmm. uh, and we were going through the process of that, and then how time works in that area, and then basically saying, well. That going backwards in time cause is a causality problem, yes. right? Right. Which it's is a, well, it's an entropy problem, exactly. Right. Which is most heavily and like the real repercussions of that mm -hmm. are not really addressed in most time travel films. Right. They're just like, oh, you just changed your future and everything's better now, like in Back right. to the Future, right? Or right. whatever it is. Uh, uh, and then Tenet tries to do it in some way. But mm -hmm. in Primer, they're like, the snowball effect of that. Yeah, it collapses. Huge. Yeah. Everything, everything. Like, and it's so, totally and it's really well thought out. And, mm -hmm. and it's better, better explained than most films, I think. Honestly yeah, speaking. I think that uh, it's fair to say with both of these movies, two things I'd like to say. One is that I think that both of these movies are sort of equally complex to think about um, and uh, and are both really sort of satisfying to think about it in that way. Um, the uh, I think that Tenet is dip, like the Tenet is difficult to talk about um, minus Nolan 
And I, I would, I wish there was a way to separate out talking about how people feel about Nolan with talking about that movie, because mm. there's a, I think this, he runs into this on Inception. He runs it like the, the character of the audience that the, like the fan, the film bros that love his movies. Right. This is the same thing. Tarantino has this problem where it's just like, or rather oh, yeah. I, I have yeah. this problem, right. Where it's just like, I think that Quentin Tarantino is a brilliant writer director and I love his movies. Um, but he, his personality is so abrasive to some people that they, and I totally understand it. You know, you see Quentin Tarantino on a fucking talk show, man. It's like, he is, he can't get out of his own way for trying. Yeah. Um, uh, and the fans of his movies that like, uh, swearing and bloody nonsense are so annoying as a group that it's very right. hard for people to just watch his movie independently of that experience without it being without influencing right. their opinion of it. And I think that Nolan's in the same ballpark. I'm not a giant Nolan defender. Like I don't like all of his films. I like, I like, I really like, like I, 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 I love interstellar. I really like Dunkirk and I like, uh, I really, really like inception and then everything else. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, like he's like, he really starts actually, getting good for me yeah, later. You know what? I, I actually liked his, his Batman films. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like the yeah. Actually, I like the first. The first one is actually his, the best. Yeah, the, not not best, not, best not the one with what's his right. name. Like the the second <laughs> one has some of the most amazing work in it in terms of scenes and performances, but it's not a very coherent movie. Uh, the Dark Knight, right? And then the third one doesn't really work at all. For the third one's kind of a bad movie. Um, but the sure. the first one is the most watchable together movie he had made up until you know very recently, and like uh, he also made a crappy. I'm, I'm you know I'm sorry to be blunt about it. Like his remake of um, I can't even remember it. Anyway, his remake of this uh, Swedish Stir murder, crazy? Oh. Stir Crazy, fantastic. His remake of this Swedish murder film that I like, which for some reason I can't think of the title. Um, yeah, Who can think of the title? Put Insomnia. It in chat. It's Insomnia, and then the remake has Al Pacino. I think it's a bad movie. I think he did a bad job with it. The original is has got Stellan Skarsgård, and it's incredible. And at that point, if you had asked me if I like Christopher Nolan, I would have liked. Fuck that guy. He made a shitty movie out of a good movie. Um, and I'm not a giant fan of Memento. I think it's a pretty good movie. Uh, I don't like Memento at all. Yeah. Like, I, I think HBO, it's like, late at night HBO yeah, film. It's with okay. Cut with an editor who did a yeah. lot of blow. Right. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, that's like, uh, Memento. sorry, but the point is yeah. it just, I was not into it. I didn't, not, not a giant fan myself. Yeah. I mean, like uh, that's, that feels more like a, in the, that feels closer to the zone of like uh Quentin Tarantino knockoff movie than anything yeah. else, you know, and uh, the best version of Memento is the episode of Seinfeld, where they go to, to India for the wedding, where the whole episode is done backwards. <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you remember that? Right. It's actually a better right. version of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think that he's got like, he's got a, a nifty idea, a fun idea, but like, it's just a sort of a shitty, trashy movie. It's not really that good. If you play it's, that it's, but it's okay. So, Listen, he likes the idea of playing with time. Time is his sure. time is his uh, is his the medium with which he does things, right. and Tenet is his palindrome of time, right? Yeah, and it also wraps up a lot of his other concepts into the same film. Like, there's a lot of sampling from his own work in Tenet, and I sure. think in a very intentional way, because he got m much better at telling. Like, he obviously likes fucking around with time, but he got really, really quite good at it. like like even Dunkirk. Like the structure of Dunkirk, Dunkirk is really, I liked. really, really clever. Like that's a very like clever Dunkirk. work. That was yeah, a, that's, a, that's a very good movie. It's an excellent movie. I, I feel that like, okay, the one he did uh, that we did the, the other time travel on, the city bending, I've lost my mind. 
Inception. Inception. Yep. It's almost like you took this movie, Tenet, was like, God, there were some really cool effects we did. What if we just, <laughs> it's just like, why don't we go bananas? <laughs> why don't we just go bananas on that? I, right. The only thing I loved about this movie, uh, I couldn't follow it all, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not. Same. The fir- first time through, could not follow it all. I agree. Actually, but the point is, I loved what I loved about this movie was the heist parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, great. Was great. that a great Some fire engine heist? Oh, yeah. like, super cool. So good. So good. Like there's like some of his like and, it would have just I, been a great heist film. Right. Well, the thing is, yeah, like here's here's my here's my quick sell just to give you a I'm not going to go go long on this. My just to give you my frame of reference on on Tenet is first time I saw it, I was like by the end I was bored and uh sort of um, I didn't know who the char- I didn't get the characters. I didn't really know what was going on and I sort of dis- I disengaged from the movie. I watched it and I was like that's ah, got some good stuff, but this doesn't make which one tenant tenant. Yeah. was like, and so that was my, gen- I think that's a lot of people's general first uh, experience and the only experience with tenant. I've since seen it six times and, uh, and okay, uh, good. Is- I'm hoping you can redeem this film for me because there's several things going, going on. Sure. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go in a couple of things. I'm going to just see a quick reaction to a couple of things I said, and just is just experience about it in general, just emotional experience of this thing. So yeah. the first thing I noticed is, is obviously like the concept of going backwards and forwards in time. And this palindrome thing was very interesting and obvious, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting and obvious, but it was a little over the, like it was pr- trying to be subtle, but it was not oh, subtle. The, these are not subtle. None of the, none not, of the I would never of it, say any of his movies are subtle. No, no, no. Would you say but, that just as a question now, is that the center of your issue with like the, this like dumb movies, like, uh, like dumb movies that make smart. Well, well what is it? Uh, movies that make dumb people feel smart. Is yes. that like the movie tries to like, there gives off it like the, especially the crowd of Nolan fans likes to project this idea of how subtle and brilliant, you know, you just don't get it. That's your problem. That's why you don't like something. Right. You know? Right. And like, you I don't really like, got to get into it and you got to yeah. get all, uh, go unmask all these layers. Right. You know what? Right. I don't think I want to take that away from that person. If that mm-hmm. was what that person wants sure. and that's what excites being them. about it, it's a problem, right? Like, sure. I don't think they're being yeah. an asshole about it necessarily. I just think that like, listen, it's not, I, I'm not trying to put, I think there are other things that are mm-hmm. out there. And I think, but first of all, primer is a perfect example. If you want to tell a complex time travel film, you can it's, do it for 7,000 yeah. fucking dollars yeah, sure. and you have, and you at least have a moral at the end of the story <laughs> because yes. I didn't really yeah. necessarily get a moral at the end of primer I mean, I didn't attend it like I did on Primer. Right. Now, yeah. real quick, I want to talk about the music for a little bit because that was something that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The music itself was a palindrome, uh, and I liked that. And I'll tell you why. I actually have experience with this. So uh, when I worked as a, a producer on the short film with Kevin Margo, who directed and wrote the, the, the Construct short, you guys have seen the Construct short, yes. right? Fantastic work. Um, and the the end credits, the music is a palindrome at yeah, the end credits of it. That's great, right? That's great. And it was done on purpose because the guy Colin, who was the uh, the 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 uh, composed all the music for Construct. By the way, he won eleven awards for that uh, score for that short. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Very it's beautiful. 
really wow. good score. And he actually, he did a dubstep, which he made from scratch for it, which was a mm-hmm. big, a lot of work. Uh, yeah, and, you but brought the, this up before. It's like uh, so much folding and taking time to actually produce the original yeah. sound in the first place. Yeah. yeah, but the palindrome idea of music is very interesting because the music yeah. and it is an interesting sound. It right. is a really interesting sound and it brings, and it was, it was Sergeant done Brown. in a really good way on Tenet to make right. that concept yeah, of really you don't great. know if you're moving forwards or backwards. Yeah. And that idea of seeing things moving forwards and backwards at the same time in the same frame, right. like smoke retreating and those Love types of things. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It and it's a, really, like, it's a really beautiful primal film effect, you know, like it's yeah. just running film but backwards. That's, that's my thought about this. I felt like it was a cool heist film. Uh-huh. And I, I, when I finished it, it was almost like the explanations and knowing that you have to go back in time and syncing things to do that. Right. I was like, what if he just cut it? Because there were moments in the film, like when you saw him driving, you saw the rearview mirror broken. You're like, wait a minute, right. why is that broken? It looks like right. a new car. Right. But these little things and the things going backwards or the car driving backwards. Right. Imagine if it's a heist film. But he doesn't tell you it. It's only those some weird things that go yeah, on. And it's only at the end where yeah. he's like, we actually went back in time. And he's standing right. there with the guy as Patterson walks away. That's an interesting It would have been, right. been, and I think you're right, Eric, it would have been those really interesting. It would have been like, what, what is that? This is crazy, but I'm still right. into this. If it, only, sim- pardon me, it only killed me where they're like, we have to go back in time and you have to do this and right. sync it with this. Because then I'm like, I can't follow you. And then we're off to the airport. But if you just right. made it the heist, I'm like, okay, I know where we are. Can right. you steal it? It's like, right. oh, you took me out. So, well, this is something that people have like, I'm, uh, I'm, I totally get where you're coming from. And I think that like in some, in some sections, things like exposition works for me. And other ones, I'm like, he clearly put this there because the studio is like, this makes no fucking sense. And you have to say something out loud. Um, and so, so there's a little bit of that for me, but I, like, I do, I think overall, like I, I'm not bothered by um, intense exposition of these kinds. I didn't, wasn't bothered by it in inception, for instance. Um, like people complain that inception is nothing but exposition. I'm just like, yeah, but so is the dirty dozen. Like the dirty dozen is almost all like literally 100% exposition, including when they actually start doing the fucking thing, they do it as they show you it as preparation of it and then intercut it with the thing as they're explaining here's, it. Here's my but favorite. they're making a scene out of it, right? And so I, like it's what right when when you when when these the when it works best in Tenet and Inception is when he is making the fact that it's enjoyable to listen to clever stuff part of the scene, then it's working very well. You know, when they're doing it to sort of band-aid stuff, which happens more in Inception than I think it does in Tenet, when they're just like, oh, shit, people might not understand this. We have to quickly explain it. That's when it's a little hitchy. You know, that's when it's a little bit draggy. But, like, there are parts where I'm just like, this is sort of – I like the spookiness of what is happening here, and I like learning the gag. So I think that exposition is not necessarily bad, but exposition needs to be a part of the plot. You know, like the enjoyment. And it is, yes. And I think the, the problem I have with the exposition in a lot of his films is mm-hmm. that it's exposition in really cool and beautiful environments. It's like, yeah, right, shut sure. up. I just want to see the world. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. Right. We are. Hey, hold on. We might be on the Amalfi Coast. I know. To contrast that with. Explain. When we're back in London and we went back into right. time, no, focus on me. Wait, it's such a beautiful. Can I but just. It's gorgeous. Now, uh, can I ask you a question? I just want to talk to you 
you right now, okay? Can I ask I'm- you a question on this? Like, do you think that, because, uh, like, this movie seems to go out of its way to tell you to not pay attention to it. Like, while it's explaining all this fucking shit, like, he does the most distractingly beautiful visuals. He has a line where he's just like, please stop trying to understand this, just feel That's it. Right. That's my, you know? the thing. Like, he and says you know this out loud to that? try to cue you to do that. You know who does that, but with dopey dialogue? Mm-hmm. Austin James Powers? Bond, James Bond films. James Bond <laughs> films, which he's always wanted to direct, obviously. Don't you remember, exactly. there was a scene There was right. a scene in Austin Powers when he goes back in time and the guy says, but wait, if I go back in time and do this and then he goes, I think you're trying to think too much about it. You shouldn't do it and just enjoy the film. And then right. he turns towards the camera and says, and so should you. And so should you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like, that's the, there's something, because there's something else. That, you know? Like what, one of my absolute, like straightforward criticisms of Tenet is something that he did on purpose. And he also did it on purpose in Interstellar, though I liked it in Interstellar, is that he tries you to, tries to keep you from hearing dialogue. Like he does this in Batman, he does this in Dunkirk, oh, yeah. he does this in Inception. He makes the score too loud too. As like well. he's he's he intentionally make- trying to stop you from listening to this stuff, right? Like because I mean, like he's putting fucking masks on everybody for basically no reason. Like you could have a clear microphone and a mask and have it be fine. But, then but then like you're just like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like Jesus Christ, dude, what's going on? But honestly, I think the thing I just riffed on that if you just if he did less explanation and made it a just a classic heist kind of film. Right. And it's only at the end that he realized those little things that you picked up, like sometimes the explosions would go in. Right. And right. Like, I think that's, I think it's a really great point. I think it's an excellent you know point. I mean, that, that would, when they're running across the thing and right. those explosions, imagine them going backwards. And you're you like, think, what the fuck is happening? Right. What the fuck is that? So like, here's the, here's the question then about like both this and primer, right. Is that primer can do what it's doing because there's only a small percentage of the population that's going to enjoy primer. I was watching it when I was watching it today. I was like, this movie is, is for people that like really enjoy a lot of intellectual talk, barely any explanation that would sew it all together. And, uh, and sort of like very uh, intricate moral problems of, of personal relationships and business. Like, it's great and that's a plus across the board in the in those terms but that's right. also why it's seven thousand dollars you know like yeah, this right. movie is that I cheap actually, because the audience actually, is this small <laughs> actually, the thing about it too was for me primer is a beautiful film that's not the simplicity of it and i understood it even though they're talking technical i understood it right but the way they situated themselves as junior engineers yeah right. it's it was a very americana thing to be in the garage if you were going to do a big budget production of this, it would have been great to do this in 1905 in St. Louis. And these two <laughs> sure. brothers, do you know what I mean? Right, are right. experimenting and they do that. And it's totally right. like, what the? Yeah, that, exactly. Sure. That well, was, I think, uh, and the thing is, I mean, I can imagine there's a, there's a middle ground movie version of Tenet, which is like, if, if, if no one had made Moonraker, uh, Moonraker if, if no one had made, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Memento. Uh, with his skills now, but he made Memento, and he made it at Memento's level, then Memento would want to be be one of the great indie films of all time, right? I think that Nolan didn't really become a good director until, I mean, a, a, a great director until he started taking on things that were so goddamn big, and he was the only one who was able to really continue to make it work. Like, and he scales it up during Batman, you know? And I think that like he put himself in a position to make these absolutely gigantic. Uh, you know, like, I'm not going to say they're super smart films, but they're certainly like way more complicated than say a, a standard issue 
shitty blockbuster. And they're also delivering the blockbuster energy and scale better than most blockbusters. Like the stuff in fucking Dark Knight that works is stunning. Like it's incredible. He knows how to do this stuff better than virtually any other blockbuster director. And he's delivering this, delivering the goods in terms of like, uh, you know, like weird ideas and all this clever sort of intellectual shit that other blockbusters don't do. And so when you look at something like Tenet, like Tenet is like, you can't, I don't know if you can make the movie at the scale that it delivers, which is fucking enormous. Um, and not have some of the flaws that are inherent to making a studio picture of that scale when you're talking about stuff that's difficult for audiences to pay attention to. What's weird with Tenet is that it's still, and um, this is my first, this is my review of the first viewing only, is that even with all that, Tenet first view is a failure. Like it totally fails. There's lots of great stuff and awesome sequences. But at the end of the, like, no one, like, very few people are going to rewatch that movie. For the people that rewatch it, there's a whole different argument to be made. Washington is a great actor. Oh, it's great. See, that's a problem I have. And again, I just just felt, sorry, I just felt like when they walked away at the end, I just was like, I had no emotional connection with these guys. I agree completely. Shut up. It's it's the middle of the film. It's the middle of the, exactly. Okay. So like it's the this, middle that, of the film, that's the right. problem. You I have 100%, to watch it again to get to this. the end of it, to be this, the beginning and the end. This movie is so specifically designed to be watched again twice. that, and and beyond twice, like the movie doesn't right. become a rich, a rich experience until maybe my third time. Right. And I'm like, this is like, that's the, the weirdness but of this movie. That's like, the, but here's a problem that in itself is a bit obnoxious to me. And, and I, yeah, say, I say it this way because it's like saying, you know, remember that argument about we had about Star Wars where they're like, it's, a, it's fucking crazy, stupid endings. Like, yeah, that's because that's we're going to get the payoff in the next movie. I'm like, that's the, or the next Marvel film is going to give you the payoff. I'm I, like, that, yeah, it's right. like, oh, I, I, totally get it. I didn't get Tenet. It's a bullshit movie. It's like, ah, that's because you only watched it once. Only watched it, but like, watch it twice to really get there, it. There it's like, fuck like, you. <laughs> you. Like, like there is something. And now the thing is, like, what if Christopher Nolan, what if we thought of Christopher Nolan as like Tom Hanks? What if he was a really obviously sweet, gentlemanly, sweet guy that everyone liked? Maybe he is. And and maybe he is. I'm not like again. I'm not saying anything against. No, I don't know the guy. I have no idea. But like the perception of Nolan <laughs> is that he's like this very effete, sort of removed, uh, elitist, scarf wearing, you know, intellectual guy who wouldn't want to talk to you. Like that's basically the the people that don't like him. That's how they feel about him. I think that's a fair assumption, right? The people that do like him focus on how badass his movies are, or how they like the Joker, blah 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 blah. But the people that don't like him are like, this guy is a secret douchebag, and I would hate him at a cocktail party. And I and I get that. I understand where that's coming from. That's the that's I understand the image that that is being projected there makes total sense to me. But the thing is that if this were made by someone that everyone like everyone fucking loves Tom Hanks, maybe Tom Hanks is a dick, but everyone thinks Tom Hanks is amazing, and I believe he probably is. If he did this same same stunt, people would be incredibly forgiving about it, and then go. But the thing is, I mean, because it's Tom, you know, he like you just have to give him a little room, and then the third time, it's like magic, you know. So, like, I guess the only thing I can talk about is how I feel about the movie now is way different than how I felt about the movie when I first saw it. I don't know how to. T- I'm like, don't look now. My favorite horror movie of all time is like I fucking hated that movie the first time I saw sure. it. Sure, you know. So, like, designing a movie specifically to 
to work like that is an interesting gag. Like it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's right. it's definitely not a fucking moneymaker. I can tell you that. Like it's a, it's it's something you can only do if well, you've already made a billion dollars. Well, listen, listen. If if yeah. if I had if I knew right. nothing, if if I didn't know this was Chris Nolan or I didn't know anything about the industry, I didn't know about his big push for. There's, there's, there, this movie is delivered to me with a lot of eye rolling on my side, right? Mm, Pushing for this during a pandemic to be shown in theaters. 100%. 100% like being like snobby about seven millimeter film compared to anything else. Snobby against, against making big press releases about how no visual effects were used in this film, which is obviously they were such BS. (laughs) Like, that's kind of nonsense. Blew up a real airplane because it's Chris Nolan and he's awesome. Like, that to me already just, smells of obnoxiousness sure. which are which ruins the film before i even start I watching it but i totally is, get I don't, that. I, totally I don't think it's obnoxious i think it's just out of touch i think it's like an out of touch like i've made my money and now i'm this is my playpen right. and he thinks everything it, for me it's uh i thought there were some beautiful scenes i thought there were some dopey scenes i thought the kid being with the mother at the school, it was like, oh God, give me a break. There was a lot of moments where, and I didn't understand it, and it was right. all over the map. Right. And if he had, but the heist was great. That fire yep. engine thing, yeah. was so great. Cool. Awesome. undeniable. Movie be like that. That, that is and the then, scene that made me watch the movie again, and I was just like, and that's what changed it for me. Like I was just like, this that scene is so good. Why the hell did he make the rest of the movie? not do what i suggest and be like he never knew right. that he was totally and the audience was the same way so we connect with him it's like jesus right. he didn't know we're in time travel nor did right. he or right. whatever yeah, the could have made a much more interesting if they focused on the heist and made the time travel a big part of it but a much simpler part sure right right then it you, could can, have been, you can make, make a movie that like that without losing too much of what the impact of the movie, you can make a much more uh, right. a, a movie that works for people right off the bat, right? Sure. You, like I think that's I think that's totally true. Uh, I think that uh, like there is a there is a goal that he has. Like I, I think about movies like I don't know like um, Hunt for Red October, right? Hunt for Red October, which is I think a really good movie. It's one of my favorite sub movies. Um, uh, it's not a, a great I, I, it's, yeah, like it's not that's great. Favorite, it's not like it's not like Lawrence of Arabia. But I promise you, I've seen. Das Boot. I, I Das Boot's great, but like Das, Boot, das Boot's a much better movie than Hunt for Red October. But which one yes. have I seen more? Like I've seen Hunt for Red October, like I don't know, two hundred times. Like it's a right. movie that when it's on, I've seen so many times. I'm like oh, I love this part, and then you just start watching it from wherever it's on from. You know, Die Hard's the same way. Like there's there's a certain kind of movie where it's just like it's like I don't give a shit about paying attention to the talking. I just I like the scene. I'm going to watch it from then and then they're going to play it again on TNT right after that and I'll watch it probably through the same place where I started and that's it. Like no one has created a movie that is that. Like that the only way to appreciate it. It's like I was I said to a friend of mine uh, on Twitter I was like this is like he made the millennial dad's version of Die Hard where it's just yeah. like that's oh my god! Oh, wait a minute! Hold on! Okay, go, go, go. Hold, on. hold on! That's when that plane crashed. Uh-huh. Right. That high angle shot. I was like, man, that's just like uh, the second Die Hard. The movie. Die Hard too. I thought the same thing. Exactly. I was exactly. like, that's weird. It yeah. kind of looks the same. And right. literally, where it was the snow was out there, it was a right. map painting. Yeah. Like that's he, like he's he's trying to frame this as a movie that you have seen a million times. 
Like this is a movie yeah. that you're already that you already have as part of your go-to lexicon, and like I I, I have to like re- again removing the no everything that we think or feel about Nolan as a per- as a media personality. You know, obviously there's negative things to say. Like I still look at that and go like, oh, that's really weird. He did that. Like it's an interesting thing to have done. I don't know. If, I bet the studios are pretty pissed that he did that, and I bet that most people aren't going to see this movie twice, so they're they're missing out on where he's going. So he he's sacrificing that as a thing to get to this weird very specific kind of experience where you don't like something. And then because you come to sort of, or at least for me, come to understand it, I ended up really loving this movie. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm I would definitely easily watch this again today. Like this is a really, really good movie that I like the whole way through now. And it has a whole different flavor to me. First time I was like, I'm by the, by the midpoint, I was like, I'm confused, I'm a little bored. I don't really like anybody. And I'm going to slowly tune out. And that's, I think, almost everyone's experience watching this movie, and it, that'll be here's, it. Here's my thing with that, though. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying, and to go back to it, but when you have Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, you have right. so much material to see, and so many <laughs> times, it's only yes. 24 hours in yes. a day. Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, your work and your family. What the fuck is he thinking? It, no, no, you guys don't dedicate enough time to Chris Nolan. Well, here's he the, more of your attention. Here's the, here's the thing that I think is really funny about this movie is that what will save this movie is HBO. Like the thing yes. is, I, like the the thing that like, this is a good point. Yeah, like the people will come to go. People watch this again and go like, "This is way better than I thought it was." And then they'll watch it a shitload of times and be like, oh, "That movie's probably pretty uh, fucking awesome." But that's true. only going to be happen because that's of streaming. That we emphasize this my out of touch thing. Exactly. And yeah. at a certain yeah. point, it's like, "All right, he's got an enormous house up in Maholland. Sure, Great. sure, sure. God bless, man. I just, I don't subject me to these like James Bond around the world stuff. Like, let's go to Amalfi and with a beautiful right. boat, and then oh, yeah. in Siberia and industrial yeah. complex. Beautiful it's like. Movie. Kenneth, isn't Kenneth Branagh the Russian guy? I mean, it's yeah, like yeah. that's another. That's a, another like you know, oh, like he's, he's an eye rolling character too. You know, it's like please. he's my buddy. He yeah, belongs like, to the same squash club in London. He's my oh, buddy. I'm yeah. gonna, of course, I'm gonna cast him. And of course, the, the woman who's like six three and she's oh, like she was six four. She's, she's that, and I mean, this is a positive. She has an entire. She has like emergency neck. She has like extra neck in case the first part of the neck is. is, is I know. <laughs> it's about, no, no, she's she's like practically a periscope. Yeah, yeah she's a, she's a, a bizarre, like a very bizarre looking person in a very very good way. Like I was just like she's mesmerizing. She's utterly mesmerizing. We're seeing like, like what that. the hell? And everyone stands next to her is looking up at her. Is looking is, up at her, which is yeah. especially uh, John David Washington, who yeah. I love. Yeah, he and really he's good. literally like, he's like this. And those London street shots they gave her like these louboutin shoes these with like a five inch heel you know a spike it, or yeah. these high heels it's like god you just add yeah, she's a circus freak she's, she's amazing i was i, I thought she's one of the most stunning looking actors i've seen in a long time yes. i was, I was and the london look was a little too londony like too, <laughs> you know I mean? it was a little too luxurious londony sure, like right. too 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 it's very, i mean it is absolutely 100 percent like michael kane seeing michael kane was great seeing Michael Caine yeah. in that gorgeous club. Oh yeah, with God. a black so wall paint with that yeah. low luster. Oh man, that whole scene, that whole scene is great, by the way, because Washington is terrific it. with it. Yeah. I lo- I lo- oh, Washington the, is so the environment fun. was so beautiful. Oh, I loved it. I loved it's, it. The environment it's, was great. 
Like he's like he's like Washington's great, but the dialogue is like I don't know whatever the fuck they did. Whatever they're talking, I don't give a shit what they're talking about. I just love the like the 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 like the him being wearing this sort of shitty Brooks Brothers suit that then Michael Caine calls out for being a shitty Brooks Brothers suit. I was just like, now that suit looks fucking great because everybody else in here is a douchebag. It's just like this is amazing. I love watching this shit. That's a that's a James Bond mo- moment for me right there. Where that's like that's like look at all you look at all you jerks. This is the real dude right here. This guy. And I, I have to say like I. Oh, though I didn't uh, like, I didn't connect with him as a, as a, I didn't connect screenplay wise with his character the first time. I think that John David Washington is fucking miraculously charming. Like that guy is. He's just, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, super handsome. Fights great. The cheese grater to the face move in the kitchen. By the yeah. way, guys, Magnus, check out your uh, Twitch. Is I just found it. Uh, Here's the club. The club they shot at. There we go. Nice. It's a private club, so it's either Kane got him in there, but that was. Oh cool. yeah, it's great. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, like this is like there's so uh, much like just lavish, lovely. Eric, did, I ever, did I ever tell you about my experience at the Union League Club in New York? <laughs> oh yeah, that's why. Do you, have you been there? Yeah, my grandfather was a member of the Union League Club. Yeah, my father is because he he talks about that. Yeah, it was very. Very interesting. Uh, and yes, you know, I was a young boy going with my grandfather and I had to get a suit and everything because yeah. you can't get in there without a suit. And uh, we went had dinner there and it was it was nice. Stayed there, you stayed we stayed the night there, which was also nice. But then the the he took he toured me towards the game room and it was like the billiard and the and the and the uh, you know snooker and all that right. the it was like gorgeous. Yeah. Oh man, it's amazing. Oh. That kind of stuff is just stunning to me. Yeah. I love I love all that old fucking But it's but it also felt a little bit more like uh um uh, what's it uh uh trading places, you know, like of like, course. Ugh. Like this is the this is the com- this is the problem with these kinds of spaces is that like the people that are generally in a space like that like are the people that I that don't deserve a space like this. You know, like the like like right. the, this incredible design, these beautiful colors, all this thought and craft put into like all the leather work, all the blah blah blah, everything you're doing. And then you stuff it with these rich fucking douchebags. Right. <laughs> like what a waste. That is a beautiful environment. Yeah. That should be for everybody. That thing's incredible. You know. But I mean that's the like that's the I like his sense of style, just visual style is like I think this is his close to his best looking movie i think that interstellar is probably his best looking movie but this is ve- like this is so james bond lavish all the time yes. i was just like this is incredible looking you I, know I, what I, know. I will tell you this I about like films every time yeah. he releases one i get more annoyed by it but it makes the last ones that he made seem better to oh, me yeah. so, <laughs> for example right now this film is like ugh but I like Interstellar better because right. of this film, and, and I also and I liked I like I liked Inception better because of Interstellar. Right, right, right. And I think it's like like Inse- <laughs> like I have like I will like I also want to bring up that uh, Grendel Fuqua brought up uh, Prestige, which I actually like quite a bit. But Prestige is a, a flawed movie, but it's a really interesting, fun movie. Um, but like when we get to Inception, that's when the bad image for Nolan starts, mainly because of people going like, you just don't understand inception kind of stuff. I'm like, that movie is, would be, he would do such a better job with that movie now. Like he's so much more efficient about his cutting and action scenes and his exposition and all this stuff. The problem with uh, inception for me is like the whole last third is basically his advertisement for being a James Bond director. 
and it's just too much stuff. Like, yeah. I'm just like, I hate to be the too many notes guy, but I'm just like, there's parts of that where I'm just like, are we still watching them ski? <laughs> like what, what's happening? Let's, let's get back to the business. You know, like that's got right. the emotional plot line. But that being said, like, uh, 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 inception is a really brilliant emotional core. Like that is an insanely emotional and beautifully rendered story with uh, DiCaprio and what's her name from, um, uh, uh from, uh, Le'Veon Le Rose, uh, French actor. She's amazing. Um, and like that shit works incredibly well. And that's what, like all the novelty of the dreams and stuff is fun, but the core emotional story of DiCaprio is why that movie works to me and makes me cry every time. And mm -hmm. after by that way, point, by the way, this, um, the tenant mm -hmm. in tenant, and I apologize. I just tell me, we were talking about the Roman Polanski movie the entire time, right? Right. <laughs> okay. What is the link that you just sent? Is this oh not, yeah. Is this not the Safdie brothers look? Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I know, but it was like, wait a minute. I've seen this. Oh, and Pattinson. Yeah, this came with Pattinson. I think it was still glued, glued to Pattinson and Pattinson. <laughs> like, yeah. That's uh, this is one of like this is such a uh, like all this shit is just fantastic. Like I agree, like the Safety Brothers must have been like motherfucker, but like it is a great looking sequence. That's really really good looking stuff. Yeah, man, like that, that's the like so like the like with starting with Inception is when I I'm like whoa this dude knows how to direct real emotional stories, and then with Interstellar like Interstellar yeah, is one I, of my top ten movies of all definitely time. Definitely emotional. Like, deeply, it's a super super emotional. Like super sciencey but super emotional movie, and I love that more and more the more I see it. And so, and Dunkirk is a hugely emotional story, and like yeah, it's right, right. And but then you, I got to this, and I was like, where do all the fucking characters go? Like this is just a bunch of novelty, and I can't really get into it. Out how to keep people following the story. Yeah, right. Totally agree with you. Again, first oh, watch. Like, totally if he does this, then he has right. to, we can't do this. You have to right. walk over here in order to, do, it's like, stop. Right. But now, so like before I, before I get into the, what, when I, when I started to like it, which is a whole different deal. What did, what did you like about the movie? Just first watch. Well, like it looked great. Great fucking set piece scenes. Some great moments, the heist moments. I loved yeah. all the heist moments. Yeah. And I loved Washington as as an actor, I thought yeah, like, wow. so, so charming. The music yeah. was good, but it was yeah, the music was, was a little off because you would have to turn it down to hear mm -hmm. the dialogue because it was. Uh, yeah, but if you didn't give a shit about the dialogue, then it was great. It wasn't matter exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, did, did you guys watch this with subtitles? I watched it with subtitles my second time. I did. Yeah, I, I had too. to. Yeah, because like, well, like the first like four minutes of the dialogue was like, get the from this I was just like. What? What is happening? <laughs> what's going on? Because I mean, like, it was one of my favorite. What was the other? Uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, oh gosh, the third, the third Batman. Yeah, with Bane. What's his name? Bane. Tom Hardy. Yeah. I was like, and I've hidden a bomb in the what? What? <laughs> what? What's going on? You have three days. <laughs> oh, no. That's three, terrible. Three what? <laughs> exactly. And then and then he puts Tom Hardy in the fucking uh, plane in Dunkirk and he's just like <laughs> it's like you asshole. <laughs> that was, that was hilarious to me. That was truly great. But yeah, like I, I was I, I think that that's the cuz I I think that the um the uh, uh what do you call it? Uh the a fire truck heist bit is like it's Gold, the, all dude. the juice is happening right there. You're just like, 
I'm, I, it's like watching two different movies simultaneously and you're trying to keep track of what's going on. It's hyper exciting. Like there's just enough time travel gags to like spice it up, you know, but basically it's like the most exciting moment in that part for me is when, uh, like he's trying to save her from the car. But like, like, and they're and the car doors are sort of like you can't see it when you're just listening to the podcast. But the car doors are going to hook each other if they fuck up the driving. And like, you want to try to get her from one car into the other car, and you see this sort of mashing of these two passenger open passenger doors. I was like, this is like Raiders of the Lost Ark fucking gold right here. It's so exciting. Like everything is working like a charm. And that is the scene which brought me back to watching the movie. I was like, there's no way this movie is as clunky as I feel it is if he got that part right. Like something else must be happening in this movie. Right. You know? And, uh, and I was, I was happy that I went back to it because it, But you see, that's okay. So, so, so here, just, 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 just go to the basic premise where they start with the basic premise with the bullets at the beginning. Right. Sure. Right. When he's like, the bullets are climbing up back into his hand, right? Right. And it's like, yeah. ah, that's because you haven't let go of it yet or something like that. And it's like, right. oh, okay. And then suddenly, ooh, it's like, right. oh, see that? And then it's like, that's just fucking dumb. If you compare that to what they did on Primer, where they really fucking got into what it means to go backwards and forwards and the implications of that. Yeah, I mean, but that's like, that's two different kinds of meal right there. Right? I, I mean, understand. Like, one, one, one is like, no one is selling you a fucking entertainment and primer is selling you a But a the thing is, Tenet feels, feels like it's trying to be super, if they just sort of let it be like that a little bit, let's just, if, let me just put it this way. If Luc Besson had done that film, it would have been like, fuck it. I'm in for a ride. Things are going right. backwards. Things yeah, are going no, forward. For sure, I don't for give sure. a shit. It's a fun ride and it's good. But with right. Nolan, it's like he's trying to pretend to be intellectual about it. And really, it's not. That's what I mean by. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like, I just. Uh, I don't find, I don't find it unenjoyable. Like, I think that, like, there's, like, there's a sort of, like, like, I, I always bring it up with, um, like, there's, you, you look at Dirty Dozen, like, Dirty Dozen is a talk film that pretends to be an action film. It's a fucking awesome film. It's great. Right. But it's like, they are basically narrating to you what they are doing because what they're doing is too complex to show. Like it's like, you're just like, wait a minute, are you guys cheating out of this or what? So instead they sort of make the movie about the telling of what they will do. And I, there's a, there's a, there's a definite charm to me for that stuff, especially in heist movies. And so like the bit when she's like, I like the scene when she does the bit with a bullet, like there's a sort of awesome spookiness to this entire scene right. where he walks in, like the, they do the little hand gesture thing. And then there's like nobody there except her. And like, she's like this, like she looks like some, you know, like, you know, chemistry teacher or something like this. And she's just sort of bored and telling him about this. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, this should be a much bigger deal. And she's like, no, I got some bullets on the table. And we're just going to talk about this stuff. And like, because it's such a mismatch in what's being said versus how she's expressing it. I was like, this is freaky feeling to me. Like, this is more like a weird horror movie about time. And it's like, that's the moment. And the thing is like, when I start to get into what I really enjoy about this movie is that there is a, the, the basic idea of what makes this movie interesting uh, plot wise um, uh, is, is the thematic element that he's actually stealing from interstellar. Right. And, and in interstellar, right. In interstellar, the, from interstellar that he narrowed down into this. 
Yeah, well, I think he's doing this pretty much on purpose. Like, he he kept on thinking about his interstellar stuff. I don't mind what filmmakers. It's fine. It's like fucking every uh, Melville film is a ripoff of the but last the Melville way, film. That's fine. The original title was not Tenant. What was it? It was called Operation Exposition. And it was, <laughs> story. I read it in the film magazine. Makes sense. So, yeah. So that, that was the subtitle. Was makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the what I really liked is like in Interstellar, which is interesting because that's also a palindrome. Wow, that's true. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, the but like in Interstellar, the the ultimate good guys are the future versions of us that we are saving when they save us. Right. The, right. like the, the Tesseract is created by the future versions of ourselves reaching back into time to create the Tesseract that we can then save the future with. Right. So that's the gag of Interstellar. Same gag here, only they're the villains. Right. And what's even better about that is that they're not the villains. We are the villains. Like the, the people whose side we are on, the people who we are, the forward movers in time are the ones that are destroying the future of the earth, right? And there's a next generation down the road that is getting fucked by what we're doing and they are fighting back. This is a symbol of what is actually going on right now. Like that is symbolic of the, the generations now that are like, wait a minute, you are handing us, handing us a fucking burnt earth and we're all going to die. Fuck you. And we're fighting back. And he's turned this into the metaphor that sustains the entire film is there are future people that are trying to reverse the damage we have done. And we are trying to stop them from doing that. Right. But if they overwhelm us, we will be wiped out. And like, I was like, wait a minute, which, so we are actually the sort of bad guys here. The good guys are the people in the future that are fighting to be alive before we kill them. And I was like, once I under, once I got to that level, I was like, this is a weirder, there's a weirder motivation going on in this movie than, Ken Brana doing his Russian accent. Like he's the surface sort of uh, squirrel, you know, evil moose and squirrel bad guy. Right. But even <laughs> that you're just like, there's like, like he is the most extreme version of someone who is, uh, who by watching the way we do treat global warming, et cetera, et cetera. Like, like he, he has literally given up on the entire world. Like we are fucked. We may as well make money. Fuck you. Like he is the extremity of that thought, and he and so, and he starts to make sense as a character, and he's trying to hold on to something beautiful that he can't have. His wife, that's what we are also trying to do. Like all this, I was just like, yeah, this like there are themes here that are totally invisible. The first time I saw it, and they weren't even made visible until what happened for me is this: like the the second time around, the first time around, I was like, I'm watching it from the protagonist's point of view from john david washington's point of view and he feels sort of distant and alienated and who the fuck are these guys and like he's sort of like standoffish with everybody and then the movie's over right that's pretty much what happens second time i saw it this is a robert pattinson movie because Mm -hmm. now i'm going the 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 person who is like once you get to the first scene with pattinson like you're aware it's like in primer when you see when you realize that Oh, the fucking earpiece was in the scene the whole time. You know, like when Pattinson sits down with him, his performance is from a different point in the movie than where you are at as a viewer. Like he's like, I already, I've already seen this whole movie. And so now 
watch this movie from my point of view and how I feel about John David Washington and, uh, and what is happening for him. And this sort of like deep, because I have a huge sense of friendship with this guy and he's giving me nothing in return, right? This friendship is out of sync and we will, you will never see us truly in sync. And only in the end, will you get the idea that we will even become those friends. And then you watch the movie again. And I was like, there is a, there is a, the, he creates this weird event that is, I think it's not unique to guys, but I know a lot of guys that are like this, where there's an unspoken feeling that they have for one another as friends. And to speak Ooh. it out loud is breaks the guy code, right? It's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want you to get this thrown away, but I really, you know, like these guys love each other is what's happening. Like, and John, David, like they both are so wrapped up in keeping that secret from one another that they can't express it. And once you watch the movie through Pattinson's eyes, which you can't not do the second time, I was like, this is a really bittersweet, strange film now. Like it's a whole, it's an entirely different movie uh, and really kind of weirdly heartbreaking at the end. I didn't and I was get like, a chance to know them, the relationship. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is neither that's that like, that's, that's what I mean is that the first time I feel exactly like you do, which is essentially what John David Washington feels like. Right. But the second time around, I'm like, you say the same thing. Like I didn't get a chance to know that guy becomes sad because now I'm like, now I understand what happens with Pattinson, where he comes from and the point of view that he has changes my experience of the story and makes it into a story. Like that story is not there the first time because it's told literally it's offset. It's like you selected everything and offset it by 300 pixels. And then like you're starting in the middle of the movie and then you're sort of catching up and the guy's not lined up with it. And then the movie's over. I'm just like, oh, fucking cares. But this way I was like, this why this is why it became rewatchable because like now this spreads out to all the other characters, like all these other people that I didn't like, I'm now really interested in. And all the scenes that I'm watching become motivated and interesting because I understand the characters and like the movie just grew into a thing that simply didn't exist the first time I saw it. And so I can't argue that, like, I don't know if it's his best movie or anything, but I was just like, this is a really weird thing to have done that I really, really enjoy. And now when I watch the movie, I turn it on and I'm like, it's like I was starting the movie feels like I came into my favorite scene in Die Hard. And I'm just going to watch it through the end of the movie. And then I'm going to watch it when it repeats again, because I'm watching TBS. No, Willis's character. Yeah. 100%. And it's just like you rooted for it. I couldn't root for any of them. First time you can't root for any of these guys. The second time you couldn't root because you didn't know where he was. No, this this is like like a time travel movie. I'm just saying. Like, this is like (laughs) the, my love for the movie. Like, the movie becomes the most, uh, like, uh, solid Nolan experience. Like, the most sort of like, now I'm watching it, I'm like, there's really no big flaws in what he does here. Whereas, like, with his other movies, you sort of have to go, well, maybe he meant this, maybe he meant this. This is like extremely tight and sealed up, uh, not just logically, but emotionally, but he has done it at an offset, which is the most unique thing about this. And to spend fucking $300 million on an, it's an, it's it's on an experiment is weird. It's derivative. When you look at it and you say, geez, there's a Safdie's film in here. Geez, there's, I mean, it's totally. Yeah, but the, like the Safdie, I mean, no, no offense to the Safdie's. The Safdie's have never done anything of the production level of Tenant ever. Like they never tried. No, I'm just saying, like, like it's like it's one thing that, yeah, this is lit like the Safties, sure. It's also like one scene's like straight up lit like Vertigo, but like I'm not going to hold it against him. He's like making a movie about how much he loves movies. I get it. That's fine. That's you know? a pass. Also- for me, it was just 
it was derivative. It, it, it wasn't really focused. Um, there wasn't a sincerity to like, you couldn't follow the characters. It expected, it took you to places and then you couldn't understand the dialogue, but the places were really cool. It just wanted, it was the James Bond effect, but right. with James Bond, you rooted for him and you, and you don't root for these guys. You, you can't you root for these guys. Understand, the it was, but what's his name? Uh, Brandon, uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's Kenneth characters Brown. were just like cliche. It's yes. I, I, I utterly agree with you. If I had only just watched it that one time, we'd have we'd have nothing to talk about. Like I totally agree with you, but I that's not, like I feel oppositely about the movie. I think this film is just ten times before I don't know. I think I might throw up. When people say, "Okay," so you you said like what I'm what I'm basically arguing is for is is the caviar caviar effect. Like I had caviar once; it sucked. I'm never eating caviar again. Everyone's like, "No, no, no!" But just keep eating it. And eventually but, but you'll but love look, it. <laughs> I'm like, why would I do that? I thought yeah. there was a sincerity with Primer where mm-hmm. he knew his world, the right. director, and he did control things. It didn't matter budget. Right he understood where his where that palette was going, right. what he was doing. Right. And you can he watch it over and over again. One of the other I beauties think. of the seven thousand dollar budget is he didn't have to explain anything to the studios, right? Yeah, well, and he's playing yeah. to an audience that loves this kind of stuff. Right. So, like, so, I, I, so like I, I'm going to yeah. say, like, it's, it's, it's playing, you said it earlier. He's playing this director that he dreamed of as a child. Right. Okay. So it's like we're going to have these big things, and and the condor crane's going to come in, and it's just like all this crap. And it's just like, how about you just focus on like not keeping us out of the loop in the story. And like, right. So like, I guess my reverse on primer and I'm not going to criticize primer, which I really love, but I mean, like I would say like primer doesn't win any points for me for targeting me specifically. Like it's an easy, it's an easy thing to do like $7,000, no $7,000 making a hyper intellectual time travel movie that really gets in hardcore space that very few people get into, except for me and a couple of my buddies. Genius. That's, well, it's fucking, it's, it's cheap and easy with me. Like, I'm going to like that movie. Like you're aiming right at me. Yeah, like that's that's but that's that's, that's like I, I don't I can't congratulate the guy for making something that I, like here's the burger that you like. Of course, I love this. It's burger. just clever and smart, and it's it on is, his sure. terms, and he did it. But the thing is, I'm not saying it has to. All I felt was like with um, he said Nolan mm-hmm. was you know none of it is really based on science so much. So don't you know pinpoint. Sure. it's yeah. not. There's, you know, there's, there's no a little tiny bit of. Science. So why so much exposition? It's like. You know, if it's like explaining made it's up shit, bit and because it it's about help. it was oh, there was hooks, but right. they didn't really help you. It's like, hey, magnet. I, behind, I, I can I totally, I totally get what you. I mean, I'm, I can't argue. I agree with you. There's too many first. ideas. Yeah, like, I, think, I think that the, I the think motivation that the, of the heist, the, expl- the explanation stuff is like one, once I started feeling that more as a thematic choice, then I enjoyed it, and that's all I can tell you. And so, like, I, I think that this is like it's. I would say like. If you get a chance to watch this later, later sometime, I I'll would I would bet you five bucks you'll like it a lot more. I would definitely. Bet uh, I'll watch it the, again. I don't have a problem, but I, I could probably bet you five bucks that I won't because I'll think it's like most it's a of this bet. film. Totally fair. Bet. It's, I totally get it. He casts a wide net, and that's yep. why for me it was like, wow, you're really going into the Moonraker territory here, where it's just <laughs> that, that, like, I love it. Beautiful environments, <laughs> right, hot right. chicks. Right. And wow, I wish I was there, kind yeah. of thing. And Absolutely. I totally got lost. But so, with Moonraker, you're like, that nah, doesn't make sense. But I'll go along with it because Garth got a great figure. Right. But with this, it's like, 
don't you give me a dynamic guy like Washington, right. and then right. you'd like, I can't understand him. Yes. What the fuck is he doing? It could have been, this could been more entertaining. This could have been more entertaining. If, I think, if Luc Besson had done this film, it could have been right. more entertaining. Then, because well, it could have been like Lucy, and it would have been like, well, right. always but, fucking top and craziness. I never watched Lucy again. Like, I saw it, and it was kind of fun. I'm never watching it again. Right. Like, it's like, yeah, that's it's fine. It should be. I have watched Tenet six times already, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. That's the difference. You are going to be an exception in this, unfortunately. Except for all the film bros out there, they're going to lecture me about how I didn't see it enough times. Film bros, why do they exist? Why do they hamper me? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I feel like if if he chose some some key set pieces Mm -hmm. and chose to not make them so cold and more in the Payne's gray uh, color range of colors, like the opera house. Yeah. And everything is so like 60s Soviet Union, yep. Soviet era architecture, 70s. It's cold. If he had right. opened up that palette a little bit more, you would have kind of like, it felt more real. But everything so. felt yeah, sure. like it's, it's I really, I really love, I like the Oblivion meets Moonraker. Right. right. Well, the thing is, like, here's my, my, my condensed argument about With a little bit movies. of talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, which I love. You and I love that movie, obviously. Like the, Did like. You? Dicky Greenleaf, Dicky, Dicky Greenleaf, Tommy, 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 like primer doesn't make any missteps with me literally at all. It is designed for 10 people and I'm one of those 10 people. Like there's like, he hits all the right buttons. It's an easy task. Make a fucking smart intellectual uh, time travel story about people backstabbing each other. What's not to like most people don't like that. Most people won't see it, but this movie is one. It's not a risk to make this movie for $7,000 that is aimed directly at its audience. But with, Tenet, it is a risky movie to the point where I'm not under. I don't really understand why he did it because like yes. it is, it is, it is extremely risky and it failed for him to make a movie that is essentially a very strange, uh, 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 a, a unique kind of an idea for a film when he could get away with the easy version of this and everyone would be happy. But the thing that I really enjoyed about it is that he did do this unique thing that no, he did take a risk and make something that very few people really yeah. caught on. And to. I know he got caught up but with the whole pandemic at the same time. No but... different than Oblivion or any other film. Like I was, I was like this, right. this, this movie, this movie offered me something that I have not experienced in movies. Right. And that's why that's something I really enjoyed about it. And now I have a movie that I will watch a lot because it offered me this very strange experience which is and now. For, I'll be honest, and that's a good point, Dan, because for me, I felt one of the unique aspects of this movie, um, which I don't see a lot in movies, was when that helicopter landed on the yacht in, in the <laughs> yeah, Mediterranean. Right. right like, yes. well, I haven't seen that which before, like a big yacht in the Mediterranean. <laughs> I haven't like, seen that. Well, I've seen, 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 seen that. There, there may be no. 25 movies that I've seen that in that are all and named. Or, 
or, or you know, yeah. what's really special, what's really, really special about this, and you've never seen it before, and it was a big deal, was an airplane crashing into a building, especially a 747. Yeah. I've <laughs> never seen that I, before. I get it. I understand the jokes. Oh, but yeah. the fact, and, and, so that's talking about something is extremely unique. special. And you know what, what was amazing what? about that? They did not use any special effects and right. or visual effects that's right. all that's done. Right. they actually did it what if i did chris that's a good what Dan, what so if i don't think i saw that in an airplane oh wait i did like, okay what if you just because you know i love heist films right i actually thought if they had just kept it with the thing going on the plane the guy with the food cart right. Right. all that was real right. and still in the magnificent right. um the, uh, thing uh, i had an acting teacher who was in that movie. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Dirty Dozen, fantastic. Yeah. Dirty that, Dozen. He was yeah, in Dirty Dozen. Right, 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 and right. Al Mancini, he was my right. teacher in the early 2000s in, right. in Hollywood. And he was like, but the thing is, having that thing with a heist, then that little hooks were like, wait a minute, the rear mirrors or that smoke goes backwards. At the right. end, that's yeah. that punch. I, I, the, I, think, like, I think you're right. That I, I, I do actually. I, I quite film. agree. Like, the, yeah. the, 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 there's a middle ground movie that whether we wouldn't be arguing about. Like there's a there's a middle ground movie yeah, where you're just like this so fucking cool. pleases everybody. And you would have rooted for him. I totally and get it. You I totally get that. Fight in the kitchen was amazing, right. but then totally. it's like I'm muddling around. What is she right. going on? What are we so, doing? Like, this is this is the thing. It's like I like I understand that I am one of the ten people that like this movie and sort of like caught on to the thing that he's doing that I think is actually quite unique, and that's part of why I love it. But the thing is, it is, it does only work for 10 people. The fact that he took the risk, and it's a giant risk, you know, like it's a career risk to do this kind of stuff. And no, it's like, no, wait, 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 wait. This dude, like, wrecked movie theaters. Like, like whether he continues to oh, he'll make be movies. Fine. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about him as a, mo a movie maker. Like, he'll be able to continue to make movies. But he is part of why his next movie will come out on HBO. Like it was a risk, and he paid the price. That's what happened. Okay. Like Here's this the was a, this is a bad bet. You put money on a bad but bet. Chris, and what you said a little earlier, I my take, and he's got enough money. He should, f you money. He should just mm -hmm. you know enjoy it and invest and move on with his life. But the <laughs> sure. thing is, it's he makes basically these late at night HBO films, but he edits them like a pseudo intellectual, like Chris is talking about. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it's just like the one with the, the Australian eat, guy. I'm a pseudo intellectual. I eat that stuff up. No, no, I'm not saying you are, but the point <laughs> is he fills it in with just utter, like, stop overthinking. So right. he'll take a real, like, this was Die Hard-ish meets, you know, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Right. And then it's basically story totally out. Totally let's, let, let's go like uh, live, die, repeat, right? Like that, right. that, like, oh, it's that great. Had yeah, the camera moves are beautiful. Right. Because, because actually, because actually there, there is a, I think what we're all talking about is that there is, and I'll totally agree with you on this, is that there's not a middle of the road movie. There's actually a better movie to be made with Tenet that, yes. that, 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 that gets everybody on board in the same way that there's a better movie than Pale Rider to be made, and it's called Unforgiven, right? Yeah. It's an extremely, that's an extremely rare movie to make, and it's up there to be made. And I don't think that Tenet is like that. But I, the thing that I do, like, he did make something oh, that I, uh, like, it's like, a, so, he, yeah, like, I love, uh, actually, he, it is he, like, it no, Ron is a great example. Ron is a great example. example. Thank you, yeah. The yeah. thing is, if you just took that two and a hour, right. 40 minute film and cut it down to a, a buck 50, an, an right. hour, two hours, that's your heist film. 
I don't, I would this, be so the, the only thing that we're the only thing that I'm arguing for is that what he did make, which he seems to have made on purpose, was a uh, a secret movie that you come to love, right? No, which is I don't a, think it's on purpose. I think nobody told him no. May, maybe so. The effect the effect on me is one of my favorite effects, which is like when I like, don't like a movie to start with. Like oh. it's like it seems like well it's like the the don't look now effect is like I saw don't look now and I was angry about don't look now I was like everyone told me that movie was great that movie is shit this makes no sense blah 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 and I bitched about it for weeks until a friend of mine was just like you complain about this so much it's like you're in love with it and I was like oh no maybe I love it and I watched it again and I was like fuck I love it. Like, this is one of the best movies I've literally ever seen. And that I don't think, and like, Don't Look Now didn't do that on purpose, but that was my experience. And to discover that I actually love something is the same reason why that's satisfying in a rom-com. Wait, that when you're watching a rom-com where the main character is like, I hate that guy. He just makes me so mad. And then at the end, she's like, I love him. Like, that turn is valuable as an experience when I read, read things or watch them. And what it seems to have happened is that Nolan constructed a movie so that I have that experience because he's trying to make something so good that you'll watch it again. And then that's sort of thematically part of the science fiction of the movie is extremely clever and very, uh, very daring for someone that could have gotten away with making it easier. So I give him props for that. Whereas, like, wait, if I were to reverse the time flow on the on critiquing the stuff and look at Primer, like, when you guys are saying, like, when you guys are saying, like, uh, you know, like, oh yeah, because with no special effects and blah blah, like, like, how fucking easy is it to make me like Primer? A bunch of intellectuals jerking off about nerdy science shit. I already am there. I'm already there. There's zero risk. You didn't even put any fucking money into it. I'm there. I love it. There's like, like fucking Shane Carruth comes in and just like, listen, everybody, I'm going to make a movie that's so rarefied that only six people will even like this. And one of them is Dan Thrawn. And it's going to be so sexy just for him that he's going to think it's amazing that I fucking made it when actually I'm just making his favorite cheeseburger with extra cheese. <laughs> like, now, that's what they do. Okay. It's not a risk at all. It's great that he made it. It's an inspiring film, but that's that, have, that's the reverse of the argument. I have to say, I went back just now as you were talking to Wikipedia. I'm like, I had to refresh my aged brain on what he did. And he did two movies. I think his best movies. Up, upstream Color. No. no. The two movies I think are genius and I can watch over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. One, The Prestige. Yeah, no, it's excellent. Excellent. I, I really I love that with yeah. Bowie in it. I yeah. love Great it. Film. I can't yeah, really tell good. you how beautiful it is. Great no movie. Argument. And Dunkirk, because yeah. I love World War II. Yeah. That's Dunkirk's it. great. That's Talk about an infinitely rewatchable movie. Jesus Christ. You, I watched that movie twice in a I, row the other day. It's in the water and that yeah. panic. Incredible. But wait, incredible. Right. It's like, and so, so essentially what you're arguing for is like, you just want him to, and I agree, and I agree with what you're saying. It's like, just make real. me fuck, just make me Dunkirk only with time travel. Like, why have well, all no, the other shit? I, I think it's don't do time travel. <laughs> yes, that's right. Don't, don't. Yes. Well, he does. He does a lot of time travel. That's it's his time he loves travel. It. He loves For it. me, it feels like he did this because he had cool ideas right. visually, and he showcased them around right. this storyline. Whereas, if he just made it a heist film and to put the little hooks that we talked about, right. maybe. But the Prestige is—he's a great filmmaker. Jason like, says the Philadelphia cream cheese experiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice one, Jason. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I totally hear where you're coming from. And I like, I, I, it's such a rarefied thing that he was trying to do that I really, I, I would not made, I would have not have made the bet that I'm arguing for. I'm just recognizing that it's a bet. Like, I was just yeah, like, yeah, me, it's a bet. What disappoints me most, not, it's hard to make a film. I understand. He's an accomplished guy. So when you make a movie, it's an incredible club to be in. I have never made a feature. All I'm saying is when you watch a movie with such production value and you see that thing, the fire engine thing where the heist yeah. and you're like, oh my God, that's incredible. And it's incredible. Like, yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're back to zero. You're like, oh, to no, have a nugget good. like that in between. It's right. like, why, why would you right. give me this and then walk away? Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I, well, I, I, I want to stick to that $5 bet we made. I want to say, like, okay, hold on. Come back to it. So, 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 uh, the, I, I do want to like a couple notes for, for the podcast is one, one is we normally give you the explanation of the movie. It's going to be impossible to do that with these films because <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to give a very, very quick synopsis. I know we're already two hours into it and I'm now yeah, giving a quick fun. synopsis of it. Yeah. One is tenant is about, uh, finding, a, a method in which you move forward in time and you go through a machine and then what you experience forward, everything else is going backwards in time. So that means you're going backwards to everyone else and everyone else is going backwards to you. So things are going forwards and start going backwards. So depending on what side of the turnstile that you go in, right, is basically, uh, uh, you know, when things are going forward or going backwards. Right. Uh, you normally, you, you can recognize people that are going backwards or that are that are normally going forwards or going backwards because they have air tanks that they're wearing to have yeah, special you oxygen because you can't you can't breathe backwards air right? right so they have these special tanks of oxygen to right. do so that's the only thing that helps you identify these things and it uh, and, and, and as such you you you, <laughs> you 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 shoehorn this whole concept into a heist film right. which conceptually makes sense you're going to pull off a heist if you know how things go right so you Right, which isn't part of primer. No, but hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll get to primer second. So that's the whole film. And as Dan said, the movie itself, as the title itself of the movie, is a palindrome, which means it goes same forwards as it goes backwards. The music goes forwards and backwards. Everything goes forwards and backwards. A bunch of things go forwards and backwards. The movie begins with the end of the movie, and 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 ends with the middle of the movie so right. that basically if you watch it twice, you get the movie. Right. 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 The, the, the movie, the movie's beginning and ending are actually happening simultaneously. And right. the pivot point is in the center. The right. right. And so the, the ending of the movie is the center of the film. Right. Which, which is very weird, which is just weird. Right. Right. And, so, uh, it's, so it's, it's a, a little very bit, it is a difficult movie to follow yeah. until right. you've watched it a couple of times, which right. is what we've, I've been complaining about. Yeah. But, 100%. Okay, now Primer is a very interesting film that was done at a very low budget, which was basically filmed in a someone's garage and a storage facility and a few other small locations, done very cheaply with existing lighting and as quickly as possible. The most important part about Primer is the script and the writing of it, right? Yes. The acting is okay. 
But so, right? solid for the fact that they're none of them are actors. A professional act. No one's not, an actor. None of us are professional. They're very good given that context. It fits right. Fairly. And in fact, it's got a, a grittiness of feeling like a reality show mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. Right. And the idea is that basically they're all these junior engineers that work at these uh, engineers that work at the at this this regular company in 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 Dallas. Uh, although they don't really talk about Dallas, it just happens to be in Dallas that they 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 shot it. Uh, but it could be anywhere in the United States. And they're trying to make their own startup, and they're trying to invent something to be a startup, right? right. And this is a the very typical thing: people working in their garage, like you know Hewlett Packard or whatever those compact computers or all those guys trying to make their first thing that they make, and they accidentally invent this machine that allows. Basically, they figured out. Uh, well, hold on. Let me. Let me. Let me. When they're talking, as they're talking in this in primer, the the way that they talk is very much like a true brainstorm thing, and yes. they're not being shy of using technical terms about what they're doing. And it's right. what's also interesting about it. It is not just all gobbledygook. There's actually a lot of good stuff that's in yeah. there, intellectually this written, speaking. This is literally written by an engineer. It was lit- written by an engineer and a mathematician who, right. who wrote this. So the way he's right. writing about it, it's not like, you know, it's a Star Trek talk, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the techno babble generator. Techno babble, yeah. Ge- yeah, exactly. They're actually thinking about this stuff. Now, what they've they've invented this machine that basically somehow creates this sort of temporal situation, not really temporal, like that changes the mass of something. And as they right. go into it and they iterate on it, as you iterate in, as an actual engineer and you create more and more versions of it, suddenly they've figured out that they've actually created something that the time kind of it's, it's, there's a, there's a hitch in time that are temporal issues that are happening. Right. They develop it to the point where, they figured out that they can make a machine that can allow you to go back in time. And the way that it works is they, you, if you get into this machine and you spend X amount of time in this machine, or in this case, six hours, when you wake up, you are back where you started. Yeah. Except right. you've learned six hours worth of information, kind of. Yeah, like essentially, they, I mean, it's just like in Tenet. They they get in the machine and they have to right. be in the machine for six hours because they're traveling live backwards right. in time for six hours. Right. So right. You, it's it's like you basically hit the backwards button, but you yeah. have to be in that machine for six hours. So you basically what they've discovered is you 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 go into the machine, you start the machine mm-hmm. with a timer, and then you walk away. And then what they do is. They isolate themselves from the rest of the world by going to a hotel room for six hours. With no communication. With absolutely no communication on the end. No TV. So no one knows what they are because what's about to happen is their doubles exist in the world around them. So they have to isolate themselves. So after the six hours of them isolating themselves in the hotel room, then they go into the machine and turn turn it on. What happens when they wake up is they wake up six hours earlier where their their normal people are in the hotel room. They wake up and they have all the knowledge of what's happened on that day. So right. what do they do? They try to play the stock market, right? Yeah, it's like the most the classic, obvious yeah. thing, right? Which is a very interesting thing and right. which is brought up in this film is like, 
how fucking sophomoric is that? Like, oh, I've invented the way to go back in time. I, well, that's what you do is try to be rich. Like that is like, I mean, and it's brought up in all these other things, right? It's brought up in in uh, 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 Back to the Future 2 and mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? Like, oh, now that I learned this, I'm going to use this to learn, you know, how to gamble in Vegas or whatever, you know? And it's like, it's really kind of like, uh, right? And they pay for it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. They pay for it dearly, hard, and not hard, only yeah. not only that, but the thing is, I remember very specifically when I was in it was in math, uh, uh, you know, studying this in math and 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 uh, physics. I had a very strong conversation with them about the issues of causality. Causality is like a big problem, right? And yep, you you sure. can think about it like in a lot of films, it's like ah, consequences, boom, right. doesn't matter, right? And that's right. brought up obviously in 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 uh, in the Groundhog Day. Like I don't mm -hmm. care, I'm going to rob a bank, you know. Uh, so, uh, but because it doesn't matter what I do, because I just keep going back in this loop. But the other thing is like, okay, so, but in here they actually bring up the fact that there are, there's just like this constant dealing with their doubles happening constantly, 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 constantly. It's not just a one event. It's, it's really interesting how they bring it up. And it's like, it kind of warps your brain in a lot of ways. And I hate to say it because I know that that's what Chris Nolan is trying to do with Tenet. But with Primer, it makes you realize like, this is bullshit. Like time travel is, is, is a dangerous thing. It's yeah. really dangerous. Yeah, no, it's I mean like there's there's the 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 thematic the thematic center of these two different movies. Like it's very opposed. You know, one is about uh, like like Tenet is about essentially uh, the the fatedness of what is happening to things that you care about, right? The, whereas Primer is about selfishness. And uh, you say that because I, I saw it as like children becoming men. Yeah, well, they, like they're dealing with these very childlike choices, and like the childlike choices they make in the beginning, fuck them when they're older later, right? Yeah, but then they have to make adult decisions. They have to and, do the. They have to clean up the mess that they made because they were selfish. Yeah, and one right? decides to build bigger and more when he goes to the French or he's in right. Europe building right. a bigger box. Yeah, so that. A nightmare. So that's idea. like that's a man. He's like, I'm a mature man, and I want power. Yeah, you well, know, he's like, like he certainly he certainly seems like he's going to be making a world devastating mistake in the end of that movie. That's I think right. that he's I think he's going to destroy everything. Like that's he right. did not learn. Whereas like like the movie is about failing to learn that, right? And and like, the he, goofball guy is the one giving the warnings. Right. Exactly. Right. Like that dude. He is was the like, one that you couldn't take seriously. He wasn't the 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 guy with all the the technical answers. He right. was the risky one, but he, it's, they were kids. But he was always the most uh, cautious one. He was, mm -hmm. a he was the most cautious one, but he was also the one who did it first. <laughs> he is like, well, he, is, he, is the, he is the one who does it first. He is the most human of the two. Right. right? The, the, the other guy, like from the, you never see the version who's played by Shankara through the director and writer. Um, yeah. Like you never see that guy when he's not lying. Like he's lying from the moment you see him. Like the right. the the opening of that, like maybe not the very opening, but close to the opening of the film, he's already like once the time travel starts happening, he's already done it twice. And uh, and it, he's like also the, built the secret box. He's built the secret box. He uses the self box. He uses this for selfish ends. He's desperate to get revenge on that guy and punch him in the face. Like 
he's a petty, shallow, selfish jackass, and he gets the payoff, and he probably blows up the world. Like that, yes. I think, that, is, that I think is what happens in that film. And uh, and with the like, whether or not the like, I think the the time travel is like the this movie gives like this movie does this extremely well, where it's like there's no way to make time travel make sense because it's not physically possible in any way that we actually know. Well, but, apparently not. You can just well, yeah, go next to two, two black holes and you got it all set. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, there's no, there's no functional way to really explain the way to do it in a movie. And what, But what they do do incredibly well is they, uh, they make you very confident in the people that wrote this movie as they have thought this through, right? And the movie is actually about the essentially the late 90s tech experience and the selfishness and backstabbing of this experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, like, I, I mean, I was in Boston in the uh, mid, mid to late 90s working at a uh, tech based company, and I was very lucky to work at a great one where everyone was extraordinarily cool. Like, our MIT guys, really, really uh, beautiful, smart, um, very caring place. But all the other places in Boston were not that way, you know? And a lot, like many of the people that I knew in New York and Boston, were like the dude in primer. And I was just like, this is an extremely accurate representation of this sort of uh, new wave Gordon Gecko-y kind of uh, selfish uh, technological greed that now dominates most of our lives in every mm-hmm. way. And I think that it's, uh, it's because like, this is the, the this is like watching this movie watching this time. I was like, this is like watching the social network minus me liking uh, anybody in the film. <laughs> like I was like, these are really bad people, and they're doing a really bad thing. And like the best person isn't the great isn't great, but he's certainly a lot better than the than the main guy. Um, who man at the end of the movie when he's just like, no, bigger, you know, it explains everything in French. I was just like, no, you learn nothing, and you're out for gold. Cool. <laughs> Let's right. see how this goes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a, it's a like minus the science fiction elements. That movie is actually about a culture. Um, a particularly male culture of tech in in the late in the late nineties, early two thousands, and it nails it so impeccably. I can't think of a movie that beats it. It's extraordinary. It is. It is. Yeah, I liked it. I thought this was a good pairing. I thought, especially you know, you know, obviously it's a pairing because there are similar themes in these things, right? It's about greed and time travel in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah. Between these two things, uh, although. You know, I think that the the moral is better told in Primer than Tenet. It's a, yeah, like it's a it's like again a first go thing. Yeah, like Tenet is uh, rather Primer is uh, for all of its intellectualism is very clear about what it's doing and saying. Like it's not trying to hide anything from you. It's like it's right. playing it out exactly the way that and it's certainly not dumbing it down for the audience. That's for well, damn sure. Well, and again, like that's the this is like. I don't mean to take credit away from Primer. I'm just saying that, like, it's easy to congratulate somebody for doing something that they obviously do well for people who are specifically appreciative of it, right? Like, that's that's the one thing I'm just like, yes, congratulations. You made a movie that you wanted to make for cheap, and it has an audience that's built in. Congrat- that's great. That's like if you made the fucking James Bond movie. Like, of course, there's lots of people like James Bond movies and did it right, and there it is. Congratulations. Like, there's no, that's not a very risky movie to make, but it is, the like, the thing that I do really credit Kareth with is that he is when I hear interviews with him like he's only made two movies you know he made this and um, Upstream Color which is great 
And he is an absolutely dedicated artist. Like he doesn't care about making a lot of movies. He wants to make the movies specifically that he wants to make. And that's why he only makes them incredibly cheaply because he doesn't want to make the concessions of a major fucking giant blockbuster filmmaker or he has to explain all this shit for the back row. He doesn't want to do any of that. And so he doesn't. And so he doesn't fall prey to the Hollywoodization of because you can make the exciting fucking James Bond version of Primer if you want, but he doesn't want to do it. So he didn't do that. And I really, that's what I really admire. Yeah. And I admire that too. And that's a good point. And one of the other things I really loved about Tenet, the music, Mm -hmm. that one song, Tenet, Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> ten, ten, ten. Ten, ten, back in time. Going back in time with Chris Nolan. If you so, like Denzel like, Washington, you'll love his son. <laughs> Cheese crater to the face in his kitchen in a giant fight. Yeah. <laughs> so tall. <laughs> She's nine feet tall. <laughs> She's like a giraffe. <laughs> you have no idea what is going on. And the movie is really long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta remember this spot in the podcast so I can put that on the whole previous video on Martini Giant. But yeah, like that's, that's, that's the thing, man. Like, I, there's, there's, as like, I love the indie scene and I'm never gonna diss a fucking great indie movie like Primer ever. Like, that is what we should all be attempting. Like, that's the heart of it and that's what maybe movie, movie making yeah. really, it is about, you know. But I also want to recognize Just that. Real, real quick, real quick, yeah. real quick. Uh, it was really hard to see because it was shot so dark and it was obviously shot illegally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, there, the, when they're at the waterfall park, you know, you guys know that mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, um, a Philip Johnson, uh, the famous uh, water park in uh, Fort Worth. <laughs> they did not get wow. a grant for that. They didn't get permission for that. No, 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 no I way. almost guarantee. But if you look up, uh, is it Philip? Jo- is it called the water water park? No, it's called water something in Fort Worth. I'm going to look it up. But anyway, it was kind of... Yeah, that that was an apologized later situation for sure. And I fucking love that. I love it. They're just like, you know, that's really beautiful. We should film a scene there and then see if we can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Philip Johnson's yeah. Water Garden. Here we go. And I'll I'll put this picture in our... Wah, wah. But yeah, that's the... Like, yeah, that's... It's, that's shit. It's just super, super beautiful. You know? Most positive this is what it was, but... Uh, there's our fuck. Anyway, keep talking. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, there it is. Uh, anyway, I still think it was a really good idea. Uh, here you go. It's. Yeah. I, mean, I think this is a very. It's a very. It's a very good pairing. It's a very lively pairing. I would say that like, I will. I like. I will probably. And this is again. I'm not bashing on Primer, but like, I will probably see Primer a couple more times in my life. And I really enjoy Primer. It's a very. It's a good example of what that movie is. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm probably going to see Tenet many many times because it's an. It is a really unique movie to me. And whether whether or not. Like and the fact that it was not successful kind of makes me like it a little bit more where I'm just like, he laid a lot of money on the fucking table and now, it was a fail. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have two, there's two ways I can go in the world. There's mm-hmm. a place where I can decide that tenant deserves more of my attention and I'm mm-hmm. going to watch it over and over again. And that's going to be one direction I can take. Or there's a time where I can say, 
fuck it. I'm going to move on and look at other things. Now, the only way I can do both is if I have a time machine and go back in time and watch Tenet again. <laughs> is to there stop was, watching Frasier so much. <laughs> there's a way for me to use a time machine so I can right. go back and watch Tenet again without right. wasting more of my time. Right. Then right, I right. would actually possibly do that. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, Lord knows none of us waste time watching shitty movies. We're, like the rest of my the rest uh -oh. of my life is the rest of my life is scheduled out to only watch the great ones. No, no mm -hmm. time wasting involved, people. I'm just gonna say it right now. Look forward to nothing but great reviews. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I've already so come Frasier, back. Frasier's taking right. a bit of a backseat in our in our in our rotation. Uh, and uh, the to after uh, mash. No, yeah, no. We <laughs> uh, uh, Futurama and Seinfeld are, are are now on heavy rotation. But Futurama is interesting. Futurama has got such amazing, perfect parodies. Like there's just like, oh, yeah. you know, and, that, that, and some really good science, by the way. Yes. Like, they, they do some great science gags. In that show. So the thing oh, yeah. that's amazing, first of all, is when they give the computer of the ship, a consciousness that looks like Hal, and mm -hmm. the voice of the ship is played by Sigourney Weaver. Right. A great, a great, yes. Okay. Great, so just, just choice. like, just, just the, beauty of that in itself mm. right at which point bender has a love affair with sigourney weaver the ship right mm -hmm. and he's like you can't be dating a co-worker hilarious in itself right and they're both robots mm -hmm. uh then the amount of parodies of hal that they use for the ship are right. incredible including the fact that he's serenading her by singing Daisy to her. Uh, yes, a classic. Classic 2001 gag right there. Which is there. And then they try to shut her down mm -hmm. by popping soda cans that are inside her brain, but they do the same thing. <laughs> right. Like It's just, just so many things going on. Right. Such right. a good thing. Such yep. a good yep. thing. No, that's a, like, and, and that show doesn't In 20 minutes. <laughs> and all that, I, I, I've come very strongly to believe that uh, for, oh, this my cat is going to join us. Just hey. to let you know, he is here to try to steal my food. Um, nice. You're not going to get any food, my friend. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> yes, pardon me on this. And I'll try to keep his butt out of the camera. I'll do my very yeah. best. I can't promise. Yep. Um, he's, but, uh, he's, he's, he's he's willing to turn. He's, he wants, he's trying. He's trying right he's now. Trying he's trying very hard. hard. He's trying really hard. Um, mm -mm. What a little okay, asshole. So there, here it is. <laughs> there it is. We're going to full full blockage right now to keep that from happening for you. Mm -hmm. um, because we care about you as podcasters. Uh, but yeah, the there's the thing that Futurama gets right is not only is it funny, not only is it sciencey and funny, <laughs> but it's also occasionally really emotional. And very successfully emotional, like right. the uh, the uh, the the uh, well, Fry's dog episode is like if you don't cry watching that Fry's dog. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you Which get one to. is that? Which one? Which, which, oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, the you pizza the place. Yeah, yeah. Like once, if oh, you don't, God. yeah, if you if you're not on board for that, then stop watching things. Yes, <laughs> because your nerves are fried. No, your nerves are yeah, dead. that one is gorgeous. The other one that's absolutely amazing is uh, the episode where uh, they go, where she gets stung by the bee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That yep. was another one. By the time you get to the end, you're like, if you're not in tears, yeah, come on, man. Then something wrong with you. But I, I really do believe and they're not that... expected from something like like like. Oh that. yeah. And the thing is, I mean, you're right because when when you do something that's 20 minutes long, you really are on the clock to make it work. Mm -hmm. And uh, and 
And this is how I felt about BoJack Horseman, which is like my one of my favorite TV shows literally of all time. Is like these are only 20 minute things, but the stuff they get into is like you can't even like there are there are entire shows that go on for decades that don't approach the level of uh you know, like weird, deep emotional shit that BoJack Horseman's able to do because they're like, I don't know, what if it's a cartoon and people are animals? Anyway, let's talk about some real psychological bullshit that really messes you up. And uh, and they do it in these like incredibly tight beats that you come out of like kind of wrecked. And you're laughing all the way through, and then in the end, you're like, "Oh, I feel weird." Like that's the way to do that stuff. I think right. a short form like that is actually more effective at emotion for much of streaming TV, and more more things should do that. You know, live action as well. Like they should do like whatever. Do like instead of having hour long Walking Dead episodes, do twenty minute ones and i guarantee you you'll have yeah. more pull and more cry you know like I, I, would, I would like to see that kind of experimentation you know i'm all for 10 hours of the queen's gambit no no doubt it's a great movie right but, uh, but 20 minutes of fucking fry's dog i get there pretty quick yeah my god that's yep. interesting yeah uh, and also involving time travel Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Time tra- it's it, it, it's like uh, it's like uh, 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 about time, not about time. Yes, about time, about, about time, time as well. That Jeepers creepers! That is like putting putting jumper cables to my tear ducts. That movie, yeah. Like, like I have to. It, it's like going to a gallery show. Like you have to put on a bib. You know, so I'm just like the tears wreck all the like wreck all the uh wreck the tv i was just like yeah. I, I was so i was so stunned by how affected i was by that movie so suddenly that i was laughing at the fact that i was crying i was like yes. you're kidding me what the fuck happened here it's amazing absolutely incredible still on uh, netflix i believe about time did we did we did we cover most of what we think we want to cover with these two films we've gone we've gone through a lot of it i think well yeah i mean i think that there's like i think that i definitely <laughs> i definitely recommend primer um, I don't have yeah. lots of extra to say about Primer. I just think it's a really good movie, and it's a, good, uh, yeah. it's a really, really good, solid piece of work. And I, I'm in love with the fact that these dudes just yep. like scraped it together and made it look made made it work. You know, and yep. uh, and that's where the that's where the the indie charm for me doesn't come from. You know, making a movie that worked for me. The indie charm comes to like very few people can pull this off. Like very few people believe that they can pull that off. And that's why they don't do it, including mm-hmm. me, you know? And like that, that movie is like, doesn't even try to be like, it, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't pull back. It doesn't feel like it's right. dumbing you down to anything. Right. It is 100%. The movie it is exactly the movie it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say, I'm sure you guys would agree that Tenet is uh, trying to be, um, trying to be, a certain kind of movie that it wants to be. And it is, but in order to do that, it has to do all of this and those kind of, those things kind of fight. I, I think that's a f- fair way to put it. And to that the, is a fair way. I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take that and say right. that that is a good way right. to do it. I think the problem with tenant also is that there, it does come with so much baggage, right? Yeah. It comes, it like, it was the movie that was supposed to be the movie of 2020 right. and it failed at right. that. And it, well, and, and it took had a pandemic. Well, I understand that, but that's, is, that, but that's the challenge it, it had. Like, that's the challenge it had. Everyone, but even right. if it didn't have the pandemic, I don't even think this if is it, a hit. <laughs> I don't think it's a hit, right? Anyway. In fact, right. it exposed. I think, it, it, I think it, Dan hit the, th- the nail on the head this whole time, saying 
it's ironic that the one thing he was wailing against is probably going to help it re, you know recoup its losses is right. HBO Max. Yeah. yeah. Like this, this movie, yeah. like this, this is the thing. It's like this movie is built he's building it for a rewatch. It's great on rewatch. You're only going to do that through HBO Max. You're not going to do that by spending fucking 20 bucks a shot at the movie theater. No. That's it. Right. Yeah. And 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 th- listen, uh, it comes again. The twenty bucks a shot at the movie theater is criminal. It's a criminal no, cost for movies, right? Yeah, you know, and and, I, and like HBO Max, for example, right? Like they basically like they raised the prices on HBO Max, and they told me I was like, oh, it's going up by three bucks a month. It's like, who the fuck cares compared to what I used to pay for a movie ticket to shuck out for movies, man. I mean, I see a lot of fucking movies a year and that's how much more I'm getting out of HBO max. Yeah. Like for the the streaming services I pay for, even even, a third of what I used to pay. Right. Even my, 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 my TV, my TV is 100 movie tickets. Yep. You know, (laughs) no, that's the way it is. And the thing is, like, I think that I, I, I hope, I think there's a chance that this, disaster and not only the actual disaster of COVID, but the disaster that movie theaters uh, are suffering um, uh, is good for movies. Like it's actually a good thing for, and it's a good thing for movie theaters because like the reason well, why movie, it's a good thing for content. It's a, good, that's well, a much broader thing than movies. Yeah, well, like the, the thing is like, I think it's good for specifically for movie theaters because the movie theaters that will exist after this point will be interested in showing movies that people want to see that yes. are there for people who like going to movie theaters right. as opposed to bored children at the mall looking for something to distract them, which right. is what destroyed movies. You know, that's it. You know, it's Possibly. just like, the, like when I'm, when I'm fucking going to like, if I have to go, when I went to go see no country for old men at like the AMC 300 and like, Halfway through, like, you know, kids are on their phones and people are like, this is boring. And I'm just like, why did I pay $20 for this? Yeah. Like, this isn't a fucking, this isn't, I'm not at the fucking, I'm not on the, you know, uh, I'm not getting a hot dog and riding the Wonder Wheel. Right. You know, this is, I'm, I'm trying to go see a movie. And if, the, if it kills that entire shitty uh, circus side alley business of hiking right. up movie fairs because it's being sold like movies that I want to see are being sold to people that don't want to see them for too much money just so they can, people right. can get their kids out of the house. That's fine. So I remember specifically, I went to go, this is a long time ago. I went to see one of the Lord of the Rings films at the Cinerama dome. Right. And clearly people who are going to go see Lord of the Rings film at the Cinerama dome. They're there for the experience of mm-hmm. that. And <laughs> It movie had been like you know two minutes in or three minutes in or something. Someone's phone rang, and the amount of people that jumped onto that person, practically ripping them apart. <laughs> Cinerama dome. It's like you are there yeah. because that's the fucking Cinerama dome, right? It's like it's like someone's phone it's rang. It's like, it's like like it was like holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and the ever do like, that. I'm not. I'm not trying to argue for being an elitist. Like I'm like I'm a better person than the person who's on his phone at the movie theater. I'm just saying like. No, it was an accident. He forgot to turn yeah, it off. That's exactly. all. <laughs> like, like whether it's like the, you know, the some dudes being annoying when I'm watching No Country for Old Men. He's fucking around on his phone and talking like you know he's on the street to his to his girlfriend. Like mm-hmm. like we both paid twenty bucks to be here, right? And one of us is respecting that. <laughs> like that's the only thing I'm saying. Like yeah. why are you trying to fuck with my experience? Because right. you're bored. Why do why did you pay to be here when this is not what you want to be doing? You know, come on. It's okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Russian mobs and the in you know in Saint Tropez, uh, you know, drinking Dom Perignon out of a cooler. If they want to do that, (laughs) 
go ahead. It's fine. Go ahead. You know, but it's like, kind of, you know, I'm like, not going to say that that shouldn't be done. I'm no, just saying I wouldn't do that. Enjoy yourself, dude. I mean, and not only that, there's plenty of movies that support that. And it's totally, I'm totally there for that. But like the fact, the fact is like, it is not their fault. They're just there to have a good time or distract themselves. I get it. I'm there to do the same thing, but that AMC turned it into a business that was from just basically one size fits all is what wrecked it. Right. Like, yeah. that's dumb. Like you killed the killed the golden goose, dude. Like there, people go to the, go to the movies. Well, for the problem the twenty dollars for that movie ticket is 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 the the amount of people you're paying off for that is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's and it's not the movie theater, by the way. The movie theater still no, has to give the fucking pay, studios. Pay, yeah, the, 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 so so the the distribute. This is which brings me back to the whole NFT thing. It's like NFTs are going to basically kill a lot of those guys' jobs, and their people are going to be fighting that big time, uh, and they're going to lose. Because uh, right. because you know what here's you know people are just going to make a lot more money making their own content instead of being playing to the studio system. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think that's I think that like, I don't know anything about NFTs. And I don't have any real opinion about them yet. But like yeah. I, I think that like the certainly the idea behind like you know artists. I had a lot of I I, I I started off with NFTs with a lot of doubt and started really 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 paying attention to it and really right. looking at it and then more I'm like. Hmm. Because you know, people like I knew I know people like he's a really cool guy. I've actually hung out with him in Vienna, believe it or not. He was at a conference in Vienna and he was doing one of his daily art things like live while I was while we were having our happy hour and I was hanging out with him while he was doing one of his daily things. And it's like that's great, such a cool guy. He's another he's a nice guy, you know, he's fun. Uh he's certainly not, you know, he's very prolific, and that's kind of awesome. Right. Right. Uh but uh but yeah, you know, so I, I, the, the, the only the only criticism that I've heard that I, that I want to know more about is like there is a it's with anything to do with blockchain has a very serious carbon footprint issue, and I totally I'm open so to hearing there, that. Uh, yes, but but uh, you got to realize yeah, I mean, that there's different, no, no kinds, of, different that. kinds of blockchains, right? So right. so Bitcoin is going to have a bad carbon footprint compared to others, uh, and there's other ones. Ethereum is better, and in certain ways that you. Yes, you guys should listen to the new Vergecast that came out. They talk about yeah, that. That they talk about it the other day, th- which is really good, and they sort of get into the, that that whole aspect. There's carbon footprint. Also, there's a very serious problem with money laundering <laughs> that uh, happens. It's a problem. That's art has Ethereum. But art has always had a problem with money art laundering. Art is always used for money laundering. One, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, the, most, it's, it's the most it's vulnerable the, thing. In you're the world. retaining the ownership of it. I think the concept of that yes. is. You yeah, get through no, the, the, the smoke. I've already started doing right. it, and I think it's a great thing for Art, artists. Artistically, this I, entirely makes sense to me. I but I also yeah. think, but I know the concept artists that have pretty much stopped working and are just doing that. And oh, like, yeah. I, so we talked about that the other night. Yeah. I, it's like I literally since Thursday, they're like – Why would I people- – waste my time on exactly. some Chris Nolan film making concept art when I could be making a lot more money making That's my right. own. I don't want to waste my time with you. They're not going to answer the phone calls. Yeah. I'm telling you there's, and as soon as production starts getting back up and you have this happen, I'm telling you. It's, you have, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people making oh, calls. Like, Can you join us? Forty-five thousand dollars per 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 concept art because that's what I'm going to share them on. I think the, it's the, the thing that I like, the thing that I really believe in is like I think that the way that um, movies are made, especially with VFX, is like artists are a disposable commodity, and I hate that's that. That's right. And, yeah, uh, I hate that. and I think that like it would be valuable to movies to pay artists 
what they actually deserve because then you have to make much more serious creative decisions because artists are expensive. You know, you know, it's very, you know, it's very interesting. I did, a, I had to, so I had to make this presentation. We were doing this, this, this presentation I did for my company for, 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 you know, as you guys know, I work for, for chaos group. Uh, and we have a lot of people in the company and a lot of people who sort of come in or try to understand things. And so I've been doing these, these, these talks about understanding the visual effects world. So you can imagine if you're like, you're entering as a junior person at, at chaos group and you're in a sales team and you're trying to understand the people that you're talking to or the kind of businesses you're dealing with someone that's starting as a, as part of sales at chaos group may not necessarily understand how the visual effects world works. Right. And it's complicated. Right. So I gave a talk about pipeline, like explaining what a pipeline is and how a pipeline works in visual effects. And it's kind of an interesting thing and sort of try to walk you through a shot that's being made. And as we go through that presentation, you realize all these people that are actually called quote unquote artists <laughs> and how mundane that job is, right. if you really get down to it, right. because it's you're just contributing to this little thing. That's right. like, like, huh. I like I should not see people like I'm, I won't name names, but I know people that have been in the industry for a very, very long time who have you know who are now in their maybe mid sixties and they're they don't have any money. Like yeah. great artists, real great legitimately great artists who've contributed to the history of film and they're fucked. Like they're yeah. they're just like there's they have no but they won't be able to work like this for the rest of their lives. And uh, and they have no financial support, and they have no health care, and that's the way it goes, man. You get used up, and your work is famous, but you are still, you know, chipping away and hoping that you know, someone's going to notice that uh, you that you helped make this thing great. And yeah. I think that's lousy, and I think that that should change. And I think that we've had opportunities for that to change many, many times, and we chose yeah. not to do that. So. No, no, you become a commodity in a lot of ways, and that's right. the thing, right? So, I mean, it's yeah. And I feel that filmmakers, I mean, like, again, like I don't, I, I literally only just heard of NFTs, so I don't have any opinion on that at all. But like I, uh, as to the argument that, you know, artists making art should be able to do this all the time. They should be able to make a living at this stuff. Right. Like, I firmly well, believe the that. Problem, the problem with NFTs right now is that everyone's like, oh shit, I can make money with my art. And I'm just more specifically right. digital sure. art. And, and, and there's a ton of people that do, do stuff. There's, and the problem is now like everyone's just like flooding the market. Right. It's and it's, and it's a huge bubble because it's like the, like I was, I kind That's of, that's not a problem though. No, no, it's not a problem, but it's a, it, it's a, it's, it's a thing right now. It's kind of like I right. put in the equation of, it's like the fart fart apps of the early days yeah. of iPhone things, right? There's just going to be a million fart apps, a and everyone's shift pretty... going on. Right. And that shift B now, yeah, that's right. But eventually, eventually, it doesn't mean that the the app store is not a good thing. The app store is event, you know, a good thing. In fact, what's happened with the app store right now? There's a rebellion in, of the app store because this whole time Apple takes thirty percent, and there's some people that's saying, right. "I know that's BS." <laughs> no, it's garbage. Yeah. yeah, but here's the deal. This we talk about over the years, like where's the union for a lot oh, of God. the artists? Yeah. The NFT could very well be the union, right? Because it assures them that somehow they could get paid down the road. Yep. It invests in their future, and it keeps them. Right. You know, do you want to work for that movie where you're getting no money, or should I make some more NFT? Right. And you know what? I'm just going to do that. Call yeah. somebody else. And like, it gives you that moment to say, you know what? Uh, this is what I think it's a great thing for an artist. 
Right. And I, I do, I really, I've been deep diving it hours a day for about and a month specifically, now. And here's more specific of that, Eric, because you know that the NFT thing is people are only going to start to buy quote unquote NFTs from you if there's reason to believe that they're, the value of what you're doing is going to go up. And this is a traditional thing, like money or stocks or whatever, right? Yeah, but that's so, why you have rareable. So you have to be... You have to have something to offer something that's that's unique, right? So the more unique and special someone is, mm -hmm. the more likely they are to be able to be to make more money through well, NFTs. Well, I think what you have to do, you right. have so, to, you have to define so, right? Yeah, but but no, I think it's this: it's you have to define unique, and unique is your histrionics of it, the provenance. You have to show that you're in it for the long haul. If you get into rareable, which is invite only, mm -hmm. it's like getting represented by, you know, a good gallery in New York. Right. And so the, the, this thing, whereas you want to show that you're not just doing it for this quick bubble, but you're, you're an artist that is building his work and going on a path. And these are some of the things that you deal with and that will come through. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting thing is that I noticed some videos when my research in the past month and I'll see somebody say, I was a visual effects guy or da, 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 for, you know, 12 years. And now I want to go into this. So he's given his history, you know, right. in this kind of front thing to kind of help jumpstart that. Like, I'm a serious person. So right. people do see the value of that. It's like once it clears um, right. that, that it's like you want to follow. Unique is somebody who puts the time in and you follow them. You know, we used to have when I worked in the art gallery business. I was painting and I worked for art gallery dealers uh, um, at Herschel and Adler. And then I worked downtown in Soho. And this is the 80s and early 90s. And I basically, I remember there was a woman who used to come in and she had a shit ton of money from Long Island and, you know, tons of money. And a daughter with incredible looking daughter. And uh, let's not forget that. And so but basically she used to come in and she would buy the whole show. Yeah, you, I remember. You I was the guy that painted. Yeah, paint the walls. And there are people like that already now. Because if you go to YouTube and subscribe to these NFT things, or um, uh, like all the different um, um, Ethereum, you know, all everything talking about the Bitcoin stuff. Right. It's Ethereum stuff. They're all basically a lot of these guys are look like day traders, but they're just like that looks cool. I'm buying it. You know. It's totally like buying cool shoes from 30 years ago. You know, it's like that kind of thing. But beneath it, there are real artists who it's I'm excited because, you know what, I, I want to post it. I don't right. care. It's not so much. I want to just get into that system because that is a system that could protect people and have you build forward something. It's also a really good way for you to be able to put your stuff out on the internet and not be taken advantage of as much, right? Because people take advantage That's right. of you. And, right? you've got, and VFX guys have always been beat up. Yes, absolutely. Well, even so, like I actually remember, like there, I, I did this uh, Matthew Bannister, who is who's uh, a really interesting person. He's very, you know, got a big uh, 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 visual art fist company, very famous big art fist company. But he was going into this big rampage about uh, uh, about Instagram because what's happening on Instagram? There, his argument is that there's people on Instagram that are stealing, stealing pretty much yeah. famous art fist renderings that people do that are just out there on the internet and making it part of their Instagram feed. 
as inspiring right. places or something like that. And people just subscribe to that, right? And they're like, because they just want it as a part of their feed of Instagram. And so these guys are profiting off of other people's renderings because they've gotten so many subscribers on Instagram and they're able to monetize it. Yeah. Right. And all they're doing is just ripping off people who've done this stuff. Now, if it's protected somehow, they have a way to protect it. It could be really interesting. Now, I don't know how NFTs and Instagram could work together, but eventually either it's going to either Instagram is going to go away or people say, fuck it. I'm not putting anything. I'm going to, you know, there's an, there's an NFT gallery and I profit from it as opposed yeah. to you. Then that's right. something that's interesting that could happen. I don't know how that could work. I think this is all too new, but yep. I definitely think it's going to disrupt, you know, it that's has the potential. Yeah. It has the well, potential yeah. to disrupt Hollywood has the potential right. to disrupt social networks. It has right. a, well, this even so this all plays into exactly what we've been saying about uh, why if we were, if I was Netflix, I'd be afraid of YouTube, right? That kind of stuff like is like, there is a, I think that people are starting to realize uh, that it's like that people saying content all the time pisses me off when it's art. Like what you're talking about is art. It's not, it's not filler. It's not like fucking styrofoam uh, filler for a box. Like it's art. That's why it, is valuable. And so people have realized that they are actually artists that are making things, you know, and there's this entire force on YouTube that is making not content, but art. And they're thinking about themselves differently as I'm a value. I'm a valuable artist who creates things that make people's lives better. Like, and thinking about yourself that way uh, keeps you from being cheated and marginalized marginalized and right. uh, and promotes seeing work as important like yeah. i think it's like right. i think i think it's like like i hate that that really good uh great film great youtube stuff that i've seen great all this stuff because of the way we throw it around it has a trivialized wrapper you know like where it's just like oh it's just it's more content lawrence of arabia more content no it's fucking lawrence of arabia <laughs> like it is a really serious thing to experience this and you should look at it that way. Look at it as an opportunity to engage with it that way instead of something to pass the time over. If you just pass the time with it, that's okay. But if you don't, if you pass the time with it because you didn't even realize that this was something to pay attention to, then that's bad. Like recontextualize yourself as someone that generates things that are worthwhile as, as yeah. to something that as someone who generates more fucking popcorn, you know, yep. yeah, it's a, that's a self-respect issue and it's a respect for what the value of art really is. And I don't mean like money value of art, but rather the spiritual and healing value of art. Like we, we throw it away now and I don't think we should do that. Like we, we can really change how this is and get real, real stuff that's meaningful. Then let's do that. And if this is part of that, then I'm totally for it. So here's the thing, you 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 beg for this meaningfulness, mm -hmm. right? With, and I'll be honest, I look at the Nolan film and I didn't know it cost three hundred million dollars. Well, sure, like, I, I may be exaggerating, but it's certainly that ballpark. After yeah, could you has. not have just maybe made it for a buck twenty and give that so, yeah. artist I, I mean, work? I, I, so I as totally an artist, you're it. like, man, what a dick! I mean, he's just taking all the money and making media. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I think that like the, the here's the like here's the two hundred million. 200 million. 200 million. Okay, but still, shitload of money. Like the the thing that I like between these two movies, like there's it's very easy for me to take the side of the indie guy because here's the scrappy young filmmaker that does something really original. I like totally, I'm I'm on that side for sure, right? But 
the argument against Tenet is essentially, why didn't you make something that was more easygoing, middle-of-the-road mainstream? And that's not an argument I vibe with. Like, I'm glad that he made something weird that people didn't like because it was weird. They made something that he wanted to make, which is what we're congratulating for. Uh, yeah, I don't hearing yeah, about I, that. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I know you don't buy it. I'm just saying that's my opinion. Like, yeah, I, I, like, I know well, it's your opinion, but I, I just I, think on one side we're saying I think congratulations, he's, I think it's like, thing, and on the other side we're saying you too, you made a thing that was too original. You spent too much money on. Yeah, Chris Nolan's kind of he makes great. He has made prestige great film. He's kind of like Joe Namath, close to retirement. He's just like this <laughs> bloated dude who's like, yeah, I'm gonna make a and just how much money am I gonna make? And that kind of it just it made no I sense. Under, I don't know. It was a waste of opportunities. It was a waste of beautiful opportunities. Well, it's a it's a waste of an opportunity. Like it's a waste of an opportunity if you're looking for something that is much more acceptable to mass audiences that would have made us money back. I totally agree with you. But what no, he did, no, 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 what he did make was that. unique, and I appreciate the, the fact that it's unique. That's what I liked about it. Just like like primer primer is oh. unique, but a low risk unique. This is high risk unique, and it failed for him. And I appreciate the fact that he made that bet because it's only going to connect with ten people. Like, and he stuck yeah, to I it. Don't think, That's the I kind of it was stuff kind that I support. Of- Generic. It was not unique. Prestige is unique. Um, And and even Interstellar, you know, there was, but this was like a derivative. When you start to think, geez, it kind of reminds me of Moonraker. You're in a tough spot. Sorry. Sure. But did did anything that I'm arguing make sense? I guess. You you always make sense. And I understand what you're saying. I just, for me, I just felt like it was um, a little bit, um, arrogant and bloated and it was it didn't need to be there's yeah. some, a great, some arrogance in it and it was sure. just you, you had such a great actor and and both yeah, two actors awesome. are amazing so and i was like man what did you do to him yeah. you it's yeah. just like in it's just like for me it was like it was an opportunity not to dumb it down but to make something lean right and not derivative right, right. hey speaking I, I, I totally of get it. I totally get it. speaking of uh uh denzel washington uh, i don't uh have you? Do you guys remember the Mighty Quinn? Oh my God! Yes. Love the Mighty Quinn. Love the Mighty Quinn. Love it. Thank you. That was Mighty a Quinn good... and Devil in a Blue Dress. Nobody saw him. Incredible movies. Devil in okay. a Blue Dress. I'm thinking the Mighty Quinn because right. I was like, I I think I, I remember. Like I love, I love that film. It's a great. It's a great yep. mystery film. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and Under, it's... massively underrated film. Okay. So so. All right, because it's it's been. I, I think I saw it in, like the last time I saw it was like 1991. <laughs> you yep. know, I, I saw it a number of times in 91, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, me too. Was, I saw it like a, a, really, a couple really times, movie. and I thought it was cool. But you know, the thing is, I've been struggling with films that, I've, that I remember being great, and 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 then they're not so great because right. obviously it's a different age, position. Right. Right. They don't age or whatever. Maybe, maybe but, that's one. But I, I, I remember. Not, but I'm thinking about the Mighty Quinn as as a possible thing. I'm going to put it in our in our slide. I would say throw that up there with Devil in Blue Dress for sure. Because okay, hold on. That's all. They're great. Uh, and by the way, we're getting to the point where uh, we are asking for audience participation, suggestions for films and or uh, uh, watch parties, which I'm going to get to soon because we'll have to do a watch party next week. That's right. So, uh, you, yeah, please do it. Like, I don't know if, if anyone out there doesn't know it. We do. What was, uh, the, what was the other one? Mighty Queen Plus? Um, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel Washington as well. But uh, and Eric, I just want to say briefly, if you like uh, John David Washington, there's I want to recommend the movie that nobody liked this movie at all. I'm the only one who liked this movie, but it's on Netflix. It's called Malcolm and Marie, and uh, it's it's uh, him and uh, 
Zendaya. I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. The um, but uh, sh like she's great. He's great. It's a sort of a spiky, nasty argument movie. It's sort of like a it takes place in one spot. It takes place in one spot. Gorgeously shot, black and white, fantastic looking. Um, the people have read this as the filmmaker sort of like. Uh, getting even and like bitching about all that stuff and people that he wants to bitch about. I read it more as like a sort of criticism, self-criticism, I guess. So you can see what, see what you think about that. Regardless of whether you like it, I think if you want more John David Washington, watch that. That guy is a fucking, he's a powerhouse. I love that guy. I he's love a powerhouse. Him. Yeah. Tip top, tip top. And, uh, and like, so even if you don't like the movie, you will like how it's shot. You'll like where it's shot and you will love the actors, especially him. Time travel because I only like time travel. It's a, the first half of the movie is forwards, and then you watch the entire thing backwards. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, uh, they also did that in uh, Top Secret, so that was good. Yes, they did. That's true. <laughs> with uh, with what's his name? Peter Cushing. Uh, Peter Cushing, uh, and they used his uh, his plaster cast from Top Secret to recreate Peter Cushing in uh, Star Wars when they did the digital. Oh, interesting. I did not yes. know that. So they, the, the plaster cast they had of Peter Cushing was from Top Secret. Oh, that's hysterical. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm a little I'm, trivia. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm a big Rogue One fan. I like Rogue One. I like Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, okay, so watch parties. So I'll tell you this. Uh, we can... I would love suggestions for watch parties. If anyone has any, uh, they're great. Every time we do a watch party, they sort of... Uh, I always think they're going to be great, but then they always exceed my expectations, which is... It's hilarious. Mainly because the crew that comes up to talk and chat is super funny. Super like, fun. Really, so, really fun. So we were browsing uh, Amazon Prime with family, and mm -hmm. we stumbled on some redonkulous titles of films, which are <laughs> yes. obviously going to... Uh, uh, not really like people should. These are one of them was called Velocipastor. That's hard. To, that's hard to say. Is it a Velociraptor and a priest? Yes, that's Back amazing. In, yes, that's amazing. Uh, and another one was called. Uh, hold on, I had it here just in a second. Was called uh, Lamageddon. <laughs> so about a, a, a demon llama. Of some right. side. And there's right. a lot of titles of that nature that are on there. And I'm yeah. wondering if we, because obviously none of us have seen any of these films. And they're uh, Lava Lavantula. <laughs> I can't even say that, Jason. What? Lavantula? 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 Is that a new thing, Jason? Or is that, uh, I don't know if it's a real I thing, but so. I like how you I say that. So. Lavalangela, uh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little. I mean, Sharknado is the most obvious one, right? Because right, you know, right. we can. Uh, but but some of these, we could do something like that. But I kind of like it when we take something that's a little bit like has a little bit of meat on the bones that we can actually chew yeah, on, as true. opposed yeah, to we, just we can do throw do things on. away. Yeah, the uh, uh, like I said, when I go to Prime and I look at it, like, okay, so if I go to Sharknado, uh, mm -hmm. customers who watch this also watched. Uh, Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens, and F. Harknado. <laughs> so yes. The five is the, I'm looking Snakes, for... Oh, Snakes on a plane. Yeah. Know, that kind of uh, Five-headed shark attack. Uh, ice sharks. This is a whole... We can do weeks of that. So it's up there. Poseidon Rex. 
Right. Yeah. Sand sharks, whole whole thing. But we do we do need a suggestion for next week uh, on 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 our on our uh, watch channel uh, on our watch party. Right. Uh, so right. far, everything we've done has been awesome. So I'm really excited about our watch yep. parties. Yeah. So please say, uh, scrub through the Prime um, Prime movies for free. The, the ones that if you're a subscriber for Prime, you get for free. Those right. are the ones that we can uh, use as a watch party suggestion. We're looking for things that are um, either um, very uh, very funny or very silly, and you don't mind us talking over them, or things you've seen so many times that you don't mind us talking over them. Uh, right. Because we will definitely be talking over them. People are welcome to, of course, mute us, but then you can just watch the movie your own damn self. Like, right. show up and, and listen, watch the, the chat roll by. The chat is absolutely hilarious. We have a lot of people that uh, are that become regulars here and uh, are even funnier than uh, uh, any of us are. Uh, right. And uh, and it really turns into a and it's also be, be, because it's a watch party. Uh, uh, we don't make that a podcast because it would be odd for you to try to listen to yeah, us. It's a one time only event. Yeah. Well, it is, it is. So it is, it is on our Twitch channel for, for 30 days, but it's contextually, it's hard to do that because you don't right. have to try to play the movie and listen to it at the same time. Although right. I'm going to try, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes. But, um, so, but as uh, anyone who's on Twitch now, or most of the, you know, Jason and those guys, they always come to our watch party. So uh, they know how much fun they are. And uh, uh, so if you guys have suggestions, you know, you guys are, you guys are a core audience. So we need to, uh, <laughs> you let us know. We'll, we will honor those requests. Uh, and if you don't do it, uh, you know, you can always Twitch or email us or whatever, and we'll, 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 we'll follow you there as well. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Uh, you can, of course, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, email us. What do we have the addresses? Let's see. Email us at martini podcast uh, at martini. Giant. Yeah, podcast at martini giant.com. Right. You can, uh, uh, interact with us on Twitter at martini giant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find us on Instagram uh, at martini underscore giant. Uh, and of course, that? our Twitch channel, for those of you who aren't on Twitch and would like to subscribe to us, is martini underscore giant as well. So twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Yep. And our Facebook page, uh, which actually, honestly, it's interesting. We don't really go that much on our Facebook page. But it I've is been trying there. to put more stuff there. That has become a yes, little more. Yes, it's true. Yeah, uh, we'll, get there. we'll get there. Which is facebook.com slash martini. Hey, giant. wait, is this over now? We're wrapping we're, we're, it up. We're rounding the corner. Oh, God, I just was getting into this. It's a good one. Really? We've yeah, been gone happened. for three hours, Eric. <laughs> I know. I felt like I, I hit my stride. Like I, I, I got, I got some, some, some grit going. You yeah, do, yeah, and you got it nice. in there. You got yeah. it in there. That was lively. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, it very much. Is there something that we yeah. missed, Eric? Because I will honor your requests if you want to talk about something. You want to talk no, more about Denzel Washington? Time travel. Cake Wapo. Oh, Cake no. Wapo. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But yep. uh, I do want to say what I will. What wah, I will wah, say. Wah, wah, wah. What I will say. What you don't realize, Eric, is that actually this entire time we've been going backwards in time. So yeah. when when the podcast is over, it'll actually be three hours behind us. That, that oh. That was one of the best lines. It was such a throwaway line, and it was like it was like a hilarious joke in uh, in Primer. He goes, "Man, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten since later this afternoon." This afternoon, yeah, that's a good. That was really clever. I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Can I also point out that the one cool thing about both movies 
was that the props, their props and primer were just the wires out of oh, like the, the thin little metal and the PVC. Yeah. And then that one device, which looked like, uh, you know, an adult toy that yeah. I had and could break it up. That <laughs> like, was cool. That was great there's, prop there's, stuff. With, with both of these things, I mean, like, like primer is ridiculous because like they, the time machines look like taped together cardboard and tinfoil yes. and there's a scene in primer when you are looking at them and you are frightened that someone is inside that box you're yes. like oh my god i wonder if someone what they can't turn it off what if someone's in there i'm like that was the cool the thing about it we get to that because it was real you know cardboard box yeah and it literally looks like it was assembled really? by some seven-year-olds yeah and it's like and because you know the thing is, like, most things that are built by engineers look like this like, yes. what was really interesting thing. across those two movies was when they were in the garage and they had that the, the small box with the PVC and the time machine, mm-hmm. and then it cuts, they're having a coffee and they're on the Amalfi Coast and they're just oh, overlooking the this part, beautiful yeah. ocean. And that's where most and of the his stuff wife stuff waves and she's on the yacht and he's like, I'll be there in a second. <laughs> they're and just like, like and, this would have been a $10 film, except we went to Amalfi. <laughs> right. We got funding from Soderbergh, so we're going to cut to, we're going to go to Amalfi and finish this, this thing up. Set. Right. <laughs> Walking yeah, around you know. their jacket, their ties and shirts, like that was something I did. Like I, I had a hard I time with, with their outfits. They're like it no, was I didn't frat- because they worked during the day. They worked know, long they, hours they, during the day. They're so frat boy though. Like they never were no, always in shirts. Children, time, time travel like bros, kids. man. Time they were bros. children, and then by the time he, you see him at the end, they're like he's I just want to see him in a t-shirt. I want to see him in a t-shirt. They were never in a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, come on, man. Like seriously, <laughs> how like great that scene? You don't, you don't build, you don't build a time machine with a coat on and a tie on, like or you know. I would, I would, I would. That's because you're a, a bro. You're yeah, all these, all these you, you were a Fiji, you know, you're a fat boy, so I get it. I was a fat boy in undergrad, yes, but I was <laughs> the token art dude. Yeah. yeah, this is this is. I have I have I have so much. I did it for the booze, the unlimited booze. Let's oh, be honest. That's yeah, no, there were but, some but, good folks in there. Yeah, like, I, I don't know why, like, I think it's because I have, I mean, anybody who listens to me talk about movies long enough realizes that I don't have good taste, I have no taste. Like, uh, <laughs> that I simply like what I see. Like, if it's a movie and I'm watching it, I like it somehow. That's almost always the case. Uh, and so it ends up with me siding with uh, camps of people like, you know, the Tarantino bros or the or the Nolan bros who I don't want to encourage <laughs> like i think that they like they some of the, like some of the stuff i've seen the arguments i've seen about tarantino online i'm just like why why are you doing this this is making life hard for everybody but please don't take my recommendation for tenet as the film bro recommendation i also like films that are completely non-macho i swear to god and also all michael mann's films which are macho. Right. <laughs> um what was i gonna anyway I'm gonna go fishing tomorrow, so I gotta. I'm thinking. You gotta clear your head out. That's that. That's how it goes. I went fishing. Did I tell you guys I went fishing yesterday? Did I tell you my 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 my, my serenity story of fishing yesterday was quite amazing. Yeah, I, I go to my know. secret. I go to my secret spot. Where uh, was that? I'm not gonna tell you. It's <laughs> oh, tell me on there. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, but anyway, it's it's basically. Well, I'll tell you. It's in Malibu, uh, and it's kind of it's uh, it's amongst some 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 uh, right near some houses that are on the beach. So it's these mansions that are on the beach, right? But it happens to have this really amazing jetty where there's this really good structure, which is good for catching fish. Uh, and I caught some amazing fish there. But I, the reason I went there 
is because I was looking at the swells and was going to have the most minimal swell. So it's going to be super calm. And it, I was suspecting it was, and I got there and I was on the beach at, at about six 30 in the morning. And it was, I was the only person on the entire beach, this whole beach. Gorgeous. The water was calm and I was able to cast and it was an incredible experience. And I absolutely loved it. And then, there's a guy who I see there who obviously lives there and he walks his dog up and down the beach and I call him like Hollywood producer. He's probably some big Hollywood producer because the houses there are ridiculous that are on this right on the beach right. and he's walking his little dog, but I see him every time I go there and he's, he says hi every time he's, he's carrying his like stainless steel mug, you know, thermos, thermos mug of coffee. And he's looking at me, he's like, Hey, we're all the fish gone. You know, and he's just kind of joking around with me. And I said, well, I haven't caught anything but it's a beautiful day and he stops what he's doing. He looks out at the ocean with me and he goes, it is a beautiful day. Thanks for telling it, letting me know. I forgot to check, <laughs> you know, and it was just kind of like this wonderful kind of experience that I had with this guy. And then right, you know, at that, you know, right at that moment, there was a pod of about 50 dolphin that came in, came around the, the corner and started coming literally within casting distance. They're probably about a hundred feet from the shore and they're, feeding which basically means my fishing's done because now all the fish are running away because they're getting chased by dolphin uh so the the fishing was done and but i got to it was like ah, you know what i got here early in the morning had the beach hall to myself had a wonderful exchange with this guy who i see every every time and then i got to see all these dolphin and i was like sometimes that's more important that's what it's about, man. That, that is what it's about, for sure. Sometimes that's all you need to make the day special, and it doesn't have to be something. I, I forgot what it was. There was some quote I remember. You, I think Eric sent it someone, but it was, it was about some very rich person and then getting trying to get more and more money about something, right? Mm -hmm. And then someone else said, "You know what I have that he doesn't have," and it, and the guy says, "What?" And he goes, "Enough." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Right? Some people always need more to, in order for them to feel like they've done something. There's yeah, never, you never get enough. to the end of that. You never get to right. the end of that stuff. Like, and so somehow when I was there at the beach, I was like, that's enough. Like yep. there's something like nice about that. Yep. And so it was a nice experience at that point. So I think that's something that was really great. And that, um, uh, that was sort of my, my thing. So I'm looking forward to going back to the beach tomorrow because I don't have enough of that. <laughs> I completely understand this. And that and an OLED TV. And watching yeah, 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 like yeah. watching Blade Runner with a good sound. Yeah, system. well, you know, sometimes you need an OLED TV for it to be enough. That's enough. That's enough for anybody, really. Yeah. <laughs> like Blade uh, Runner on that TV? That makes yeah. sense. I do want to give a shout out to this guy who, who actually listens to these podcasts and who has been uh, he's been picking up fly fishing, uh, and uh, and he's been really great. And uh, he I gave him a couple of flies and he used one of my flies today. He said and he hooked into something really really big. Oh really? Uh, he said yeah. He was on the beach and uh, he said he was fighting it for a good ten to fifteen minutes. And it was thrashing about, and he finally got it to like a shallower area of the water. And he says it was at least three feet long, if not four feet long. Uh, and uh, he was getting ready to grab it when someone's dog ran up behind him and snipped his butt, startled him. He turned around, uh, and the the fish got unhooked and got away. Oh damn! Wow. Well. Yeah, but uh, I feel him at the same time. You know what? Just that experience of of of. Even if you don't land the fish, sometimes it's a it's a great experience. 
I remember uh, specifically I was in Florida and I hooked into a bonefish and that thing took off and pretty much spooled my line. Yep. Uh, and that's an experience that's, you know, I never caught it, but it was incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the chase. It's, uh, it's the moment. Oh, Jason is suggesting uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Is that oh, on yes. time? Uh, that'd be, I will check for us right now. And I believe the clip that he showed us is a shark intercepting a plane, a passenger plane. So that's a yes from me. Let's see. Me, uh, Amazon. And yes. we have, it is? I, guess I, shark I don't know if it is. Versus, oh, Jesus, there's lots. Crocosaurus. Crocosaurus. There it is. Yeah, Mega Shark versus Colossus. There we are. Uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus looks like it is on. Oh, oh, it's still no. It's it's uh it's still two rent for ninety nine cents. There's a ninety nine yeah. cent uh, paywall that we can't. Even though, so. even the, the problem is we we can't make that work for the streaming. It has to be sort of the premium right. Prime. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's Mega Shark. Yeah, no, this current the video is currently unavailable for Prime streaming. You can rent it for a buck. We obviously encourage that. That's quality right. picture. Um, but uh, we will keep that in mind and keep an eye on that, Jason. Thank you. Uh, there is a, an enormous selection of exactly these kinds of movies that I'm sure we'll find a good example of. And please send us notes and ideas. I have a feeling we should watch a like we should try one of those just just for for for. We'll pick one. Like one of you guys pick one. I don't care. Uh, I tell you what. I'm going to designate you, Dan, as picking one of those, like Velociraptor, Alamageddon, something ridiculous. You pick it. Make sure it's you know the right kind of thing. We'll just put that up there as an experience. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, in the end, it's going to be Silkwood, though. I'm just saying, realistically, yes. the party, the watch party for Silkwood is uh, like it's uh, yeah. that's going to be a watch party of my dinner with Andre. My mm -hmm. dinner with Andre. Oh my god! <laughs> I actually, I think that would be a great watch party. <laughs> I think we should all get really good dinners and sit down and make fun of my with Andre because right. everybody has a good Wallace Shawn impression. I'm pretty sure we mm -hmm. can get that out of everybody. We could do a really good watch party for like Solaris. You know, that would be good too. <laughs> oh, God bless. Both of them. We could do them back to back. But I still still argue for the all-day watch party of every Twilight film. And I will keep on mentioning this until it happens. Right. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'll be a spiritual watch it experience. Twilight. You'll feel transformed. You will have both, uh, both Twilights. <laughs> Well, there's, there's really there's only two that you need to see, which are oh, the I last mean, like two. morning twilight on the evening. Yeah, twilight. So, yeah, twilight to twilight. <laughs> twilight, twilight to twilight. There it is. I think that's twilight. it. Twilight, twilight to twilight. That is it. Yeah, like I, I would, I would, I would pay uh, serious money to see both of your reactions to the end of the last Twilight movie. Okay. You, I guarantee you have never seen anything like it in your life. It. Well, you know what? I did Titanic. Well, consider this. This well. is yeah. This this will pay, this pays the goods, man. This pays off like you wouldn't believe. It's okay. hilarious. All right, all right, guys. We're gonna sign off. Thank you so much. Uh, we will uh, figure out the watch party. So be on a watch out, a lookout for that. Obviously, we try to post you guys uh, give you a few days heads up on what's it gonna be. So. Follow us on all of our social media clips. Yep, you'll hear remember, from me. Of course, to uh, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's still a thing, believe it or not. But Spotify now is actually taking over, as uh, trying to take over as the king of podcasting channels. So that's interesting. All right, ready? Drink. Uh, talk. Drink. Drink.